Hello, everybody, and welcome to All In. I'm Save Me Mr. Eric, Definitive Edition. And I am Billy Hatcher and the Giant Seth. All right, everybody, I'm ready to be a kid now. I'm ready to be a squid now, and we hope you're ready to stay fresh with us this weekend because we're diving deep into the ink. There was a whole Splatoon 3 Direct that was so off the hook, we're dedicating an entire segment to breaking it all down. And that's not even touching all the other stuff in this week's news roundup. Oh, that's right. This episode is going to be incredible. But we knew we had to go even bigger. So we're holding our very own all-in Splatfest. Yes. And our Splatfest teams are kids versus squids. Yeah, and you already know which team we're on. Oh, of course you know. That's right, buddy. Team Team Squids. Wait. Eric, are you serious? You're really going to sit there and say that squids are better than kids. I mean, look, I mean, we were kids once. So? We're, we're nostalgic people. We're always thinking back to our childhoods here, mm-hmm. even on this very show. I mean, we're counting down our favorite kid protagonists in Nintendo history this week in the top five. No, 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 no way, man. Team squids all the way. Come on, Seth. I thought you were fresher than this. Vertebrae just told us back from our true potential. Just imagine being able to swim freely, inking whatever you want, claiming your own turf. You know what? You'll see how great squids really are when we talk about the Squidlet series in this week's Indie Showcase. I may just have to scarf down a banana nut muffin real quick. No no, no muffins for you. We'll see where we both end up after the ink settles with this Splatfest. But for now, let's just get the show started. It's time to go all in. That's right, everybody. It's a regular Splatfest here this week on All In and Nintendo Podcast, the weekly Nintendo variety show where each and every Saturday, no shells left unturned and no point is left unearned. We are so happy to be here with you live as we are every Friday night on twitch.tv slash All In Podcast, recording the first segments of our show. Uh, so shout outs to everybody who is watching us live right now. Welcome, my friends. Bunch of Team Squid members, I'm sure. <laughs> no, no, no. We all we all know the real story there. But mm-hmm. I did want to shout out. As always, we uh, we do a couple of shout outs here at the beginning of every episode. Um, shout outs to whoever left us an anonymous Spotify review. We did get an you anonymous Spotify are. review. You know who you are. So shout outs to you. We can't uh, verbally call you out. You can't leave a written review. But we did want to acknowledge that. And of course... We have patron shout-outs to get to. As we always do at the beginning of every episode, let's shout-out our Golden Banana and Triforce tier patrons. Uh, starting with the Golden Banana tier, we have Dan, our good buddy Dan Caparillo at RetroLogic, one of the hosts of the RetroLogic podcast, who recently Dan returned. Dan Caparillo. <laughs> Going to do the song again? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, recently returned, actually, after uh, taking about a month off. So good to have Dan back. Uh, Solo Something, who is now uh, part-time Monster Hunter, now part-time Monster Hunter and Xenoblader. So he, he has to uh, divide his time between those two games. Uh, John Cummins, the host of On Topic Retro and one of the other hosts of the Retrologic podcast. Matt Shy Guy City Murray, who has been uh, giving me a little bit of FOMO with Cult of the Lamb here lately mm. with his uh, with mm. his Twitter posts. Mm. Uh, <laughs> 
Rob Yapel, longtime friend and supporter of the show, Rob Yapel. Sam, third strongest mole, uh, as always, completing the infinity gauntlet of Retrologic hosts. Shy Guy, the brand new Xenoblade fan. Shy Guy, always with great insight, beloved community member, and brand new Golden Banana Tier patron, Sean Ashton, a.k.a. Sean O'Baggins. Uh, joined the Patreon hype train and joined the Golden Banana tier. So we really, really appreciate that, uh, Sean Ashton. Thank you and welcome to the patrons. He has unlocked now all kinds of rewards, including All In Side Quest, which is uh, our Patreon-exclusive show that he is now going to have access to every single week. Mm-hmm. So welcome, Sean. We really appreciate your support. And he gets access to a lot more people who are probably going to make Sean Aston jokes at him now. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> sure he's fair. never heard those, especially with an O Baggins handle on Discord. Yeah. Even more even more Hobbit stuff. So that's probably and I bet you I've never asked him what that handle was about, but now that you mention it, that's probably exactly what it is. <laughs> Sean, let us know in the Patreon chat how many times you've heard a bad Sean <laughs> Aston joke. <laughs> yeah. But moving on to the Triforce here, we've got Josh Vaughn, longtime friend and supporter Josh Vaughn. We've got Tim A, a.k.a. Neoprime33, a.k.a. Nintendo Dad number four. We've got Sparky, the globetrotten, jet-setting Sparky, who is, uh, I believe, as as we're talking, he's probably listening to us in like a hotel room or on a plane right now. Probably. Busting out his Atari books, playing his Xenoblade, taking pictures and whatnot. Must be from and- Harlem because he's a globetrotter. <laughs> I, lo- I love it. I understood that reference. Uh, and then as always, of course, uncle Randy, uncle Randy, love you, uncle Randy. Thank you so much for your support. Uncle Randy. It's like a wrestling always. announcer, like an announcing him into the match or something. Oh, dude. It's like, we love uncle Randy, dude. It's a, it is as hype as a wrestling announcement. Uncle man, sure. Randy Savage, <laughs> uncle man, Randy Savage, uh, for sure. So, um, I also wanted to address just after the Patreon shoutouts, before we get into it, we're going to have a lot of fun here today, of course. It's going to be a great episode, but I wanted to address something right here at the top. How dare you try to do something positive, Seth? Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> I made a video on our YouTube channel this past mm-hmm. week. Uh, this video was uh, specifically in reference to the potential for trans inclusivity and coding and representation in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Um, basically, yeah, I, I do. I just want to talk about it really quickly, kind of issue, I guess, a public statement about it. Um, this video that I made, it was, again, about possibility and potential for trans inclusivity in these games by way of Grusha and Penny, who were obviously revealed uh, as part of the Pokemon Presents trailer that we got, like, um, I guess a week ago now. Yep. Um, and when that trailer came out and I had the thought to do the video. I basically just worked tirelessly to get it out as soon as possible because I thought, you know, this is something that could be important. I mean, the idea was basically let's present these possibilities to the trans community. Let's, you know, present the possibility that Grusha might be transcoded, meaning that Grusha is not trans, but is coded in a way that could um, represent or make a trans person feel seen. Um, and that the character of Penny might be a trans woman. And I use things like uh, color theory and reference to um, objective examples of trans inclusivity in the series past, like in previous games, particularly in Pokemon X and Y, to kind of illustrate my points. 
uh, in the video. And this video was meant to just be like a message of, again, possibility and hope and, you know, educate people on the topic of queer coding. It's meant to open the door of discussion for what this could potentially mean to even one trans person out there who might possibly feel like these characters represent them, regardless of if the, anything is even said explicitly in the game at all. That was a point that I explicitly made in the video. It wasn't meant to be some like go woke or go broke thing for attention. It wasn't meant to exclude anybody. And it certainly wasn't meant to open discussion with transphobic bigots on YouTube. Um, I got some hateful, disgusting comments, and if I'm being real with you guys, it has taken a toll on my mental health this week. The barrage of comments from the vocal minority. People went back, and they actually went out of their way to dislike my other videos. <laughs> uh, when I ended up disabling comments on this video, uh, people even chose to comment on other videos regarding this video. So again, this is the vocal minority, but, but that vocal minority was very vocal, despite the fact that the videos like to dislike ratio is actually skewed primarily positively. Um, many of the comments, and again, the vocal minority were just disgusting and horrible and completely unwelcome. Um, we had some, you know, discussion and, mm -hmm. you know, there are people who disagreed with me and were trying to take me to task and just frankly, straight up misunderstood the video. Um, but then there were just actually hurtful transphobic comments. Um, I actually had multiple trans people, both people in my personal life that I sent the video to, um, people who uh, commented and felt seen or represented by my video. Uh, and I made that video for them. I didn't make it for these people who misunderstood it or for these people who didn't get the intent or for these people who uh, wanted to just spew their hate and vitriol in the comments section. And people actually commented saying, hey, I love your video. I feel seen and included by your video, but I was hurt reading these comments. And that was heartbreaking to me. Uh, so I did wind up disabling comments on the video, which look, I mean, that's going to hurt the video's long-term growth with YouTube's algorithm, but like, I didn't really care about that. It was an easy decision. And so I just wanted to, to kind of say, uh, if you misunderstood the intent of the video, that's fine. Um, if you feel the need to take me to task for something that you disagree with me on, that's fine. Like I can take the heat. I've never disabled comments on a video before. Um, but I'm just going to make myself perfectly, perfectly clear. Um, not that I think that anybody in our wider community falls into this category, but I just want to say that there is no room in the content that I make, the content that we make, the community that we foster here at All End. There is no room for hate speech, bigotry, transphobia, any of that. And if you choose to spread your vitriol and your intolerance and your hate speech in this community, including the comments section of our YouTube videos, uh, you will be shown the door. I don't care about your money. I don't care about your views. I don't care about your subs. You can keep them. Um, and that's really, that's the last thing I want to say about the video. Again, comments on the video have been disabled. Um, and then comments on other videos, which people have been doing, uh, they've been commenting on other videos to either talk to me and, um, and like talk down to me or call me a coward for disabling comments. Um, those comments will be deleted and reported for harassment. Um, and I've already done that twice now. 
So um, it's not going to be engaged with anymore. I hope that this video is it's going to continue to stay out there, and I hope that it continue uh, it can continue to be a positive force of just again possibility, potential, and hope for trans people in the Pokemon community. These people that I love, and um, and again, that's it. That's all the intent ever was, and that's going to be the last thing I say about this video. So yeah. that's why I'm rocking this background tonight. Yeah. Yeah. For th for those who can't see, listen to the podcast. I have uh, Guilty Gear on in the background behind me. Uh, you know, is kind of my little small way with their inclusion of Bridget this past week from Evo, which we'll I'll talk about briefly here in a few seconds. But a character who openly came out as trans this past week in a really in interesting and endearing kind of sequence of events. So that's my yeah. little little way. Yeah, so, you know, I just wanted to issue that statement. Again, we're going to have a lot of fun, um, but but I, I did just want to get that out of the way right out front for anybody who is maybe taking a step further and coming to listen to the podcast. So, anyway, um, with all of that being said, sir, what's been going on this week? Uh, you know what? It turns out that it takes longer than a week to play Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Who knew? Takes longer than two weeks, even, I would say. Yeah. Just, you're, I don't think you're <laughs> wrong about that. I don't think you're wrong. But yeah, I have still spent most of my week on, and I've somehow found another 40 hours. Uh, so I'm up to about 80 in the game. Wow. Yeah. It, it, uh, I want to say so many things. We're still going to do a full review in the near future on Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And we're going to try to keep it to under three hours. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. That's going to be but tough. It is going to be very tough. This game is, let's just say, there's some nuance to it. Let's just say that. But I have spent quite a bit of time, yes, playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3. But this past weekend, like I mentioned, was Evo. And not a lot to take away from it necessarily for our show. However, I always get like this massive itch, this massive itch to jump in to like four or five different fighting games after Evo's done. And I realized that I didn't actually own Guilty Gear X and Core Plus R on the Nintendo nice. Switch. It's only 15 bucks. I tried to play it online a couple times this week and couldn't find anybody. Doesn't, oh. doesn't really surprise me. Unfortunately, I did try to get online, uh, a couple times, but uh, was never able to connect with someone, um, <laughs> you know, like most of my social life. But no, uh, <laughs> I, I still enjoy playing. It still plays like a dream, ton of fun. And, you know, Bridget's in, in this game too. So that was one of the big reasons that I decided to pick it up. They've got the original Guilty Gear. They've got uh, Guilty Gear Action Core Plus R on the Nintendo Switch. So if you like... If, if you dig Strive or Xard or something like that, we do have a couple of the older Guilty Gear games on the Nintendo Switch. We don't have Xard, we don't have Strive, but this is certainly a a fairly decent, uh, you know, second option. So I I have been playing quite a bit of that this past week as well. Although wish I could have gotten into a couple online battles. Wah. <laughs> Aside from that. Uh, like I just like just like you, I I've wanted to play Monster Hunter so like I've wanted to play Monster Hunter so bad. There's a lot of games that I wanted to jump into, but uh, yeah, playing Guilty Gear, playing uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Three, it's just been 
I, like even just between those two games, that's 45 hours from this past week. In addition to everything, I've had a ridiculously busy week outside of, you know, all in type stuff. I've had a ridiculously busy week, so I'm very grateful for the time that I was able to find in the past week to decompress with, uh, you know, some some really nice, fun, character-driven titles. Nice. Very nice. Well, um, yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. Um, not a lot of free time this week, both <laughs> with things in the personal life, things that I'm, I'm working on, um, you know, and, and getting inundated with nasty comments on YouTube. Haven't had a lot of time for video games. Uh, <laughs> I have played uh, some more Xenoblade, as much Xenoblade as I can get away with. But I mean, yeah, I want to play Monster Hunter so bad. We're going to talk about that when we get to the news. Um, <laughs> I I, I want to play the new Shin-Chan game so bad, dude. I know you do. I so know bad. you do. It breaks my heart that I haven't been able to do that yet. <laughs> I know. Um, you in did fact, get to a point in Xenoblade, though, that uh, I was waiting for those messages. I was just waiting for you to send me a couple messages, and you sent them to me. I was like, oh, here it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a good game. Um, I'm, you know, I, I just I want to play more of it. Like, when I'm not yep. playing it, I'm thinking about playing it. Yeah, me too. Right now, I'm thinking about playing it. <laughs> right. I weirdly got back into Fire Emblem Heroes this oh, week. Oh, nice. Uh, so here's why, because for those who don't know, Fire Emblem Heroes is actually a really easy way to get platinum coins for my Nintendo. And I found myself just running out of platinum coins. I've been buying all of these stupid icons for the, the, my Nintendo reward, just buying all these dumb icons. I don't know why I have a sickness. I just, I'm the guy like, dude, I couldn't even, FOMO. he has to have them all. He has to have some weird. Like, I'm never going to use this frame, but I need it. I'm never going to use this character portrait, but I I have to have it. What if one day I want to do it, you know? So, uh, yeah, I I mean, I couldn't even ballpark the amount of money I spent on, like, Nintendo Badge Arcade um, (laughs) on the 3DS. Like, it's it's bad. It's a sickness. But, so, I found myself scraping the bottom of the barrel for my Platinum Coins. I'm like, well, Fire Emblem Heroes it is. So... Redownloaded it, got back into it, and what I realized, <laughs> my team is so overpowered now that I can actually just hit auto battle, and the game will just play itself. And so, what I was doing as I'm editing, or as I'm like, you know, even you know, right now as we're you know recording the show, uh, <laughs> he actually he actually just put his phone up next to the camera. He's playing it right now as we're recording the podcast. We're working here, and he's playing for platinum coins my, to my get Fire more Emblem. character icons. <laughs> my my Fire Emblem team just defeated a mission in Fire Emblem Heroes as we were talking. Um, so it just kind of goes and does its own thing automatically. It's a sickness. It is a sickness, <laughs> but but that's been kind of nice because it's just the right amount. Like, it's just, it goes, it earns me platinum coins. It's been great. Um, but so I, you know, I really, I the only other thing that I guess I'll shout out here is I, I really didn't think that I was going to be awake at four o'clock in the morning for the Kirby concert, but I was. Yeah. Uh, I was up late uh, for reasons that I won't get into, and uh, I just like kind of looked at the clock, and I got a notification on my phone from Nintendo tweeting out that the Kirby concert started in 10 minutes. I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm just going to stay up and watch the Kirby concert. 
And man, that was a delightful concert. I don't know if it quite hits the bar of the Sonic concert. For some reason, I had thought that they were going to be subtitled. I thought I had read a statement from Nintendo saying they're going to be subtitled, but I guess I was mistaken on that. Um, I guess they're going to re-release it, rebroadcast it later with subtitles. Yeah, I guess I guess once they finish translating all of it and get it all yeah. fully subtitled, we'll have a proper like Western broadcast. Yeah, but there was a lot of like talking. So, um, I mean, there would be just like five, 10 minute breaks of like just talking. They would have some of the developers, composers. They even got the voice yep. actress of Kirby. Yeah. And, uh, oh, and man. DDD. <laughs> it was so great. It was so great. It would have been awesome if they got Sakurai there. I was kind of hoping that that was going to happen, cool. but it didn't. They, they of course, uh, like a beautiful moment. They, they, uh, played Welcome to the New World. And then, you know, they had the, the woman who sings that song came on stage to sing it. But then in the middle of it, Kirby's voice actress joined her. And so Kirby and this woman are singing Welcome to the New World together. And it was amazing. That, that, like, that alone was worth watching. The, uh, just so adorable. So I adorable. need that version of the song where Kirby sings it. I need that oh. version. <laughs> so cute. And like, I mean, she's been uh, just the in the very little rudimentary Japanese that I've learned from watching anime. Uh, I could tell that she was talking about kind of like how much the series is meant to her and um, how she she started voicing Kirby way back on the anime, which we'll talk about some of the news. We weirdly got some news from this Kirby yeah. concert. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Well, there but, was so much was... talking. They better have dropped a couple news nuggets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that that just wound up being a really delightful concert. And when it gets rebroadcasted for people who weren't up at 4 a.m. like an idiot like <laughs> I was, uh, uh, I definitely recommend it. It was really cool. It was really cool. So, um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it for me, man. Like, just not a lot of not a lot of free time for games. However, we're actually shaking things up a little bit here on our Splatfest themed. Uh, episode this week because rather than go straight into the news we're kind of starting off the only way we really could this week I mean at the top of everybody's mind is Splatoon 3 let's be real mm -hmm. so it really is kind of time like there's so much information we got this 30 minute presentation for Splatoon 3 just for <laughs> this one game yeah just for this one game and a lot of new information. So uh, we figured it was high time that we got together, dove deep into the ink, and broke it all down. So what was it this past Wednesday? This Wednesday morning? We got... Wednesday morning. 30 minutes. At 9 a.m. Wednesday morning, Eastern Standard Time, we got 30 minutes of... Just new information on Splatoon 3. A lot of stuff that we kind of figured, a lot of stuff confirmed to be returning as elements uh, and as mechanics from Splatoon 2. But man, they broke down what felt like, what feels like basically everything that's going to be in this game. Obviously, it comes out very soon. We're now less than a month away. Yeah, I don't feel like there's really any mystery left into what we can expect from most of the title at this point, aside from some of the ending stuff of the narrative. But man, where to even start with this? Well, let me ask you this. I mean, what were you kind of looking for coming into this? Like, what were the questions that you wanted answered? I... I... 
Well, I mean, coming out of Splatoon 2, I was just looking to see there was a lot of little things that I would have liked to have seen. And most of them we actually wound up getting. There was a couple things, a couple quality of life things, a couple small changes that I was hoping that they would make to the availability of certain things that wound up happening. Ironically enough, some of that information wasn't even overtly kind of put out in the direct. There was a lot of information put out through the website. Right, right. Uh, Like one of the big things, obviously one of the big things they talked about was Salmon Run, but I was scanning through the website. And in the past, you know, in Splatoon 2, Salmon Run wasn't a 24-7 thing. But in this game, it is. In Splatoon 3, it's going to be available all the time. That's not something they really kind of overtly said. But as I was scanning through the website, I saw that. I was like, yes! That's a huge deal. It is. That alone is a huge deal. But, I mean, between everything, obviously I knew there were going to be new weapons. We kind of seen, like, the crab tank, which looks amazing. I don't care what weapon is going to use that. I'd need that crab tank in my life. (laughs) But I was very, very interested to see, like, when it comes to games that are very combat-based, you always want to see what new combat capabilities you're going to have. You always want to see how the new weapons and abilities are going to work. And that is one of the first things that they did start talking about. We got a few, uh, we got some news about the new stages that are going to be coming in. I guess there's going to be 12 initial stages, and they do look Really cool. I do really like the selection of stages that we are going to have in the base version of Splatoon 3. Some really dynamic stages. I really like the stage that's actually going to descend Yes, throughout the course yes. of the match and actually give you more, actually open up even more turf to ink. That's going to be really cool. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the bridge and just a lot of really cool looking stages. But the new weapons and abilities... That, that's, uh, what did they call it? Splatana? Splatana, yes. The new Splat Katana looks really cool for those people who like to get up close and personal. A lot of you uh, paint roller mains out there are probably going to be trying out the Splatana. I know I am. It it looks really cool and really fun. Looks like you can actually shoot like a little, it basically looks like Splatoon's version of Link's sword beam, frankly. Yeah, yeah. You just, you, you basically just like throw out some ink in a kind of, you know, yeah, it looks like a link sword beam, but you can also charge it and do kind of an upward slash looks super satisfying. I was really, um, you know, and we had already seen the bow, which we now know are called stingers stingers. Yeah. Um, I was, I was really into some of the new special weapons too. Cause a lot of this, oh, yeah. you know, they, they announced, you know, all of the weapons and stuff from Splatoon 1 and 2 are returning. They're basically just adding on to what we already had. Yeah, so that's that's actually a big thing is all the yes. weapons from Splatoon and Splatoon 2 are confirmed to be returning. All the normal weapons are going to be in Splatoon 3. Yeah, that's like that's great to see. So if you like something there, you're still going to like it here. Um but new special weapons include we got this tactic cooler which is like this soda machine dispenser thing that'll give you buffs, you and your teammates exactly, buffs. Yeah. I do like the um, fact that they are branching out and a lot of the special weapons are not just different parts of super offensive capabilities, that right. they are branching out into much more specialized types of abilities with something like this, something that's 
you know, the, the overt purpose of this isn't to do damage to somebody in a specific pattern. This is a very technical, very specific type of special weapon that, like you said, it, it offers buffs. It doesn't do any actual damage that I'm aware of. No, it didn't, yeah, sh- just, it didn't show that it was doing any actual damage. No, um, it doesn't actually actively, not only does it not do damage, it doesn't actively ink turf. Like it yeah. just sits there and gives the little soda cans to you and your party members to give them buffs. Um, so that we don't know. Really the ex- cool. Yeah. We don't know the extent of the buffs. One of the examples, I think the only example they gave us in the direct was, uh, a speed increase, but yeah, a speed increase and an increase to the, um, things like the squid roll and the squid surge. Like you can do that faster. Yeah. Um, they showed that, but so I do wonder how many different buffs that you are going to have. And if you wind up having any control over which one gets deployed, But in addition to that one, we got another really interesting kind of pulsating machine that actually another really specialized specific type of ability. It will actually ping enemies and give you enemy locations. This one does do damage when it sends out its little wave rings on the ground. Uh, Think of like the little uh, in Super Mario 3D world, those little cap tops that send out the waves of red energy. From Super totally. Mario 3D World. That's basically what this is. The The waves themselves actually do a little bit of damage, but arguably, like I said, even more valuable is the fact that it will ping enemy locations and actually give you enemy locations on your uh, on your screen, which is incredibly valuable info. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually, it's kind of interesting too, because you have to, um, you can actually dodge the the wave. You can jump over yeah. the wave when it comes. So the wave breaker is what the, the weapon's called. Um, so that's really cool. And then they, they showed the reef slider. Bro, 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 <laughs> Akira slide, bro. Akira slide. The, Akira we, it's, slide. It's, it's an Akira slide with a shark floaty. I mean, you know. You get well, like this. Enough said. You get this like shark motorcycle. You charge it up and you zoom in the direction of a bunch of enemies. You Akira slide. The <laughs> the motorcycle explodes, inks the surrounding area and kills all the enemies close to you. How do you not use that? How is that not everybody's main? I absolutely, that's absolutely going to be my main from just the Akira slide well, alone. I love the fact that they put that in. That is amazing. It's it's amazing, but what's really cool about this, and this this taps into something you were just saying a minute ago, um, you can really kind of have builds. Like, you can have loadouts now, which is amazing. And you can, I mean, it, it's funny because we're all excited about this for Splatoon. This is honestly standard practice in other competitive shooters that we're just kind of finally getting. But thank God we are, because... Being able to have like, okay, like I'm running support on this one. I'm going to have my soda buff dispenser. You know what I mean? I'm going to have like my gear that is, you know, kitted out to, um, kitted out to kind of run support stuff and maybe increase the buffs that my, uh, that my little tacticooler gives, uh, my party members. So I'm really hoping that you can build some, some interesting loadouts. And, uh, I love that that functionality is in the game finally. Yeah, I mean, it's not, you're not going to get like super specialized. This isn't going to be like a DPS tank healer type of situation, but you can get much more specialized than you used to. Uh, used to just be as like, okay, how am I going to effectively do damage this time? 
you choose your weapon, you choose your sub weapon, you choose your special weapon. But here, like we were talking about, they're giving you much more specialized abilities in this game and really, really fleshing out, uh, really, really inking out basically uh, <laughs> your potential capabilities. So people that appreciate a much more technical approach to games like this, I think are going to have a lot to chew on. I'm just another one of the reasons I'm really excited because there's, I mean, there's so much customization. You've got new weapons. You've got all the returning weapons. You've got new weapons, new special weapons, but Seth, another thing returning is the freshness that you can customize your character with also uh, give gives you buffs and uh, combat augmentations. Yeah, it's uh, it's really great. I mean, a lot of that stuff is also um, it, it looks like a lot of the the upgrades and, and augmentations and stuff. It, it seems like that is going to be um, more or less functionally the same way it works in Splatoon one um, and two. And you yep. you were kind of talking about how we saw like speed increases. Um, I mentioned the squid surge and the squid roll, which are new uh, kind of mobility things that you can do where now you can kind of like charge and shoot yourself up walls. Um, you can do kind of like dodge rolls and get iframes and stuff like that, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah, the iframes. Um, I don't know if it's actually like iframes. In the, in the direct, they specifically said it will... It, they didn't, yeah, yeah, exactly. It will slightly repel. It's not quite iframes, but kind of the same yeah, uh, kind of the same concept. Yeah. So if you're good enough, you know, you may not be able to, you'll basically take like chip damage. Right. Well, and, it, and it's a way to kind of quickly, you know, turn around and get out of the line yeah. of fire. Like it's a way to really quickly, you know, snap out. Uh, I, I think that's really cool. So, so yeah. And, and a lot of that stuff's going to come back. That's going to feed into the whole loop, you know. And that's the loop yep. of Splatoon is get better gear. It is, you know, get the augments you want. And, you know, and keep upgrading. And I mean, that's what the loop is. But I do really like... More mobility options is always good. We need Palamutes in Splatoon. That's all we need now. (laughs) But I do really like... And this is is something that just... As long as we're talking about the multiplayer, something that I really wanted to see in, in this game is just such a godsend to have these new abilities to play with friends. Yep. Like, that... It sounds so simple. But, like, the way they had it set up in Splatoon 1 and 2 was terrible. Like, you you basically had to just get into matchmaking, quickly tell your friend to join up on you as fast as possible, and hope that they got into your lobby. And when they did get into your lobby, you would have to hope that they were actually on your team. Yep. So, the fact that I can now, you're going to be able to see your friends in your lobby, like, as ghosts. Um, you can, you know, join up with them. You can make private matches. You can play around with each other in these training rooms. Um, you can create a private session and get get match made to other players. It's awesome. Like, this is literally what I wanted. This is all I wanted from Splatoon in terms of being able to play with my friends. That's Mario, it. We, Mario Strikers, take note. Yeah. I mean, basically, like, that. that's... That's all I want. I just want more options. Um, in addition to that, another thing that a lot of people wanted was cloud saves. Um, yes. So it's yes, nice yes, that yes. Splatoon 3 has that. Actually, because that was a big complaint with Splatoon 2. It doesn't have cloud saves. However, if you do have Splatoon 2 save data, you will get rewards in Splatoon 3. So yes, cool. I, 
I don't know how robust that's going to be. It is going to depend on your level in Splatoon 2. So I don't know yeah. if you're just immediately going to shoot to whatever level you were in Splatoon 2. I wouldn't think they would do it like that. But if you do have Splatoon 2 data, you are going to have a few things, a few options, a few modes immediately unlocked for you. Typically, you'd have to you know, get through a certain number of preliminary online kind of tutorial right. matches, or you'd have to get so far within the single player campaign or something to have access to like turf war and ranked matches and, and stuff like that. But it looks like for all the people out there who have Splatoon 2 save data on their Nintendo switch, which is several million people, yeah. looks like uh, you're going to have a little bit of a, uh, a bump at the beginning of Splatoon three. You're not going to have to go through. It's like, Oh, you've already spent 500 hours on Splatoon. You probably don't need to go through these tutorial sections before having <laughs> access to turf war. There, there is a part of me where I'm like, you know, don't, don't match me up against people of that level because I'm rusty. Like I haven't <laughs> played Splatoon two in years at this point. It's been a while like, for me too. There's not a chance I'm going to be at the same skill level I was <laughs> when I was playing Splatoon two. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I, I kind of hope they don't. I kind of hope I can opt out of that. But I think I was reading too. You can get these, um these golden uh, Sheldon licenses, which yeah. we can talk about that here in a second. Um, but you can get like those ones will, which will allow you to get weapons of any level. I think you can get three licenses that way. Yep. Um, there are a, a couple, couple little things that, that you get for having Splatoon two save data. So that was a thoughtful addition. Yeah. And I'm certainly looking forward to those. There's a couple that I want to unlock right out of the gate. I need my paint bucket. I need my shotgun. <laughs> I need my paint yeah. bucket. I absolutely you know love what? that, that thing. Is, that is going to be nice. It is going to be nice to just be able to pop in there and be like, you know what? I already know this is what I want and I can just unlock it. Yeah. yeah that, that is going to be nice. Paint roller, sniper rifle, uh, paint bucket. Roller, sniper rifle, paint bucket. Those are probably what I'm going to get with my Sheldon license when I get Splatoon 3. But I'm still I'm still very much looking forward to playing with the other weapons. So in addition to, to getting back into practice with the other weapons, I am interested to see how the, uh, the Stinger is going to work. Because they did show a character training with the Stinger quite a bit. And speaking of sniper rifles, it does look like it kind of... Well, with a few different charge weapons, it looks like right. it's going to work kind of like that. So you charge up your bow and you get a much more powerful, much more accurate shot with, you know, obviously the con being that you have to take the time to charge it. Right. But I mean, we'll see how it works. There's always <laughs> we'll, we'll see how the meta works out at the beginning, because especially when games like these always come out, there's always exploits and there's always weapons that are just a little bit too powerful. I wonder which weapon is going to be the the Halo pistol of Splatoon 3 vanilla. The the new dual splatties. That was that yeah. was the thing for a while. Yeah. In, uh, Splatoon 2. But yeah, um, I yeah, I'm looking forward to to kind of seeing how that all shakes out. We've mentioned now several times Sheldon licenses, so let's talk about what that is because in previous Splatoon games, you would basically just use the same currency to buy everything. Yep. And now it doesn't quite work that way. I actually prefer this way that they uh, that they do it. So, uh, Ammo Knights returns in this new area that we're going to be in. It's going to be Splatsville. Um, Ammonites is back. Sheldon, of course, is back. Adorable little and horseshoe crab. 
Yeah, and, and the weapons are now purchased with these Sheldon licenses, and basically you earn these by consistently using the weapon and, uh, and leveling up that weapon in battle. And the way it shakes out is you get a Sheldon license and you can spend one for a weapon of a level that you are, or you can exchange more Sheldon license, uh, licenses for higher level weapons. So I kind of like the way that shakes out a little bit better than just, you know, here's a bunch of coins and give me my <laughs> weapon. Good day, sir. I actually well, have they, to use the weapon in question, you know? Yeah. They, they certainly do have coins though. And oh, yeah. that's, they're going to have a ton of stuff for you to use the coins on. We've already talked about the, you know, all the fresh wear that you can get. Uh, they've, they've confirmed headgear, they've confirmed clothing. And of course, all those awesome little kicks that you're going to buy from this massively buff crustacean mr coco mr coco Coco. and and by the way you say massively uh, buff crustacean his store is called crush station crustacean yeah i mean i that's it i might drop (laughs) that's it game of the year (laughs) it's stupid that i know this but that was actually the name of a scarlet spider villain oh nice crush station they they always have really They they always have really good like pun names like um they, this isn't even the only, the the first uh crustacean pun there there's crusty Sean who apparently oh, yeah. is going on some globe trotting journey that you can you know do on the new Splatnet app on the uh, NSO app on your phone so yeah the Splatnet app that like that's another thing I guess since you brought that up we can talk about yeah. that for a second on the Nintendo Switch online app you're gonna have access to Splatnet version three. And I think kind of the big takeaway for that is there's going to be exclusive gear, exclusive clothing that you can only get through the app. They're really making it so that it's like, hey, check it out. We're giving you reasons to check it out. So obviously the Nintendo Switch online app is free and you're going to need a Nintendo Switch online subscription to even play the game online. So, you know, you might as well check it out. A lot of the coins and a lot of the currency that you get in the game can be used. Apparently, you can get like exclusive wallpapers and stuff like that. That's cool or whatever. But the exclusive gear does make it very interesting. I do wonder whether or not that gear is going to maybe have like exclusive powers or exclusive buffs or something. Like maybe the app gear is the only way you can get access to a certain skill or a certain buff or something. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I they, they kind of had a little bit of functional. I don't know if Splatoon 2 had exclusive gear in the app, but you could um, like look through the shops and buy gear and stuff like this through the app, which is nice because the way it worked in Splatoon 2 is the uh, shop's inventory would rotate like hourly or whatever. And so it's, it's nice yeah. to be able to, if I'm not home or whatever, and I want to see what, you know, the crush station has in its uh, inventory <laughs> right now, I can... So that's nice. There's, I just want to go through just really quickly, just even just the, the names of some of these shops. There's the <laughs> Mana Wardrobe, yep. which is the place we're going to buy tops, jackets, shirts, and the like, uh, ran by a jellyfish woman channeling like Edna Mode from The Incredibles uh, named Jell LaFleur. Who's basically just a jellicent from Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, which, you know, we, we've had these kind of NPCs in Splatoon before there's not couture, <laughs> which is ran by a Nautilus named gnarly a, a Eddie. Nautilus. Yeah. And, and nails. 
Yep, and nails. Let's not forget that, about the nails. I love and the direct they zoom they in. Zoom in on this little hermit crab with these shades on, and it's wearing a hat at the very tip of its shell. That was yes. hilarious. I genuinely think I like nails better than I like uh, Gnarl- Gnarly that was Eddie. Such, that's such a great character to sign. Just shades on a little hermit crab. And <laughs> hey, that's that's the perfect way to advertise the headgear that they sell there. So that's so great. I want um, that top hat. Like, I want that size top hat that Nails wears, and I want to wear that. I just want to, yeah, just put one of the, just put the nails on my head. Like, that's yeah. what I want. Exactly, yeah. Or like a, on the shoulder, like a little parrot, you know? That'd oh, be yeah, you could do that. You could do that. <laughs> you do that. That'd be great. Uh, and then there's also Hotlantis, which opens up a whole other door because oh, yeah. Hotlantis uh, is ran by this. I guess employee. They kind of said like, uh, you know, she she's not actually an employee. She's just kind of running the shop. All the actual shopkeeper disappeared. So that's kind of funny. A frequent customer that they wind up trusting. I mean, <laughs> sure, why not? Sure. I mean, that's basically it, what happened to me. <laughs> I was about to say that that would be like if uh, like when I worked at GameStop and you would come in all the time. I was like, hey, I'm just gonna bounce and never come back. You got this. <laughs> you know. and i and i did actually actually <laughs> so harmony though sells uh customization items in catalogs for your locker and this is another new component this is another just way that you can customize and express yourself in this game uh there's going to be these lockers in the lobby that you can customize. You can see your friends and the people that you've recently played with. You can customize them with like stickers and little items. Like you can put a little skateboard in there, some shades, you know, clothing, whatever. And they're cool, but from everything I saw, they actually have no gameplay functionality. It's just, I don't think so. Like a more intuitive, a more in-depth, basically like, you know, player card. Yeah, which which is admittedly kind of weird, because they have those two in this game now. Yeah, they do. They they have they're called splash tags. Yep. Um, and you've got a whole you know suite of backgrounds for them, uh, custom names. Which actually, it's funny. I think ever since Animal Crossing New Horizons, Nintendo has adopted this scheme of like just one column here and one column here for names to cycle through. And and Splatoon 3 is no different. They carried that over to Switch Sports. You know, yep. it's going to work exactly the same way here. Um, and yeah, you're going to be able to do that. You're going to have uh, these medals that you can earn, these little badges mm-hmm. on your splash tag for little, like, I guess, I guess kind of rudimentary achievements or things that you've done. Um, you can attach your badges to it. That's really cool. Um, and yeah, it really is just kind of an extension of that. But I think that Splatoon, the audience for Splatoon in general, um, are they really care about that. They care about expressing themselves. Um, well, that's, that's always been reason. part of the personality of the game is, you know, totally. just that, that whole thing of being fresh. Totally. Like that whole idea. Yeah. I mean, that's a big reason why they, I mean, they, they kind of brought a facsimile of Miiverse back. Um, with this game too, because you can actually go in there and draw just like you could with Miiverse yep. and, you know, you can't actually access like a Miiverse forum with it, but you have a little weird facsimile of Miiverse. You're still going to see drawings. Like it wouldn't feel like Splatoon if you couldn't just see random drawings all over the place. 
Yeah, it, so. it caters very much to vanity, basically, at the end of the day. Splatoon 3 sure. is is a very vain game. Not only do you get to change up your fashion however you want to, you've got the lockers that they only serve a purpose of allowing you to express yourself. They've got the player cards for the same thing. They've got the, like you said, kind of the Miiverse, the, the art that you can upload and it'll show up around Splatsville. But even in addition to that, the, the photo mode in the game, like yes. you can actually create like mobile wallpapers. You can use the photo mode in the game to create mobile wallpapers for yourself. And I think even desktop wallpapers, but, but like that's one of the big things about the functionality of the photo mode that they put out in the Splatoon 3 Direct is, you know, we don't want you to just take some, some random pictures. We want you to you know, we want them to have a function. We want you to be able to actually use them. Yeah. Well, and I also, I love too. speaking of the photo mode that like there, there are these emotes and poses that you can do, uh, both as like kind of victory or loss animations. Yeah. Dabbing. Yeah. Uh, just these, these kind of either victory or loss animations, but also poses you can do in the photo mode. I think that's great. Um, something they showed off is, uh, you can scan in amiibo Yep. And take pictures with the amiibo that you scan in, which is awesome. Yeah. So I can't wait to do that. Yeah. Just like in Splatoon 2, they actually have like this, uh, within the game at least, life-size amiibo package. And yeah. when you scan in the amiibo, they appear as life-size characters within the package, just like in Splatoon 2. In Splatoon 2, they actually they activated challenges and extra stages. I don't know if they're going to do that. They did talk about amiibo functionality quite a bit, but I don't think they mentioned that part. They mentioned the photo mode. They actually mentioned that you can, and this was another prior functionality of the, uh, the amiibos as well, but you'll be able to save that specific loadout of right. your, uh, of your character. You'll be able to save that specific loadout of your character onto an amiibo. So if you happen to go over to somebody else's house or something, you can just immediately load up your, your version. And I did actually notice something. Um, part of the loadout, it actually looks like is going to be a couple options when it comes to like camera sensitivity. Right, right, right. So I don't know if those are actually going to play into part of your loadout, but I think they will. Yeah. yeah, those are those were a couple of the options that they listed in terms of your weapons and your your current abilities and stuff was like camera sensitivity and inversion and stuff like that. So, yeah, well, I mean, I think it's it's probably because um, you might have a loadout where it's like you know I I'm using a splat roller, so I don't necessarily need to have like the hairpin sensitivity that I would if I were using the sniper or the charger or whatever. You know, so yeah, when I'm running around with the paint bucket, I need to be able to turn fast. Right. Whereas like in other weapons, you might not need to. So I, I can see why that you, you can really fine tune your loadout if you want to. Um, and I guess as long as we're talking about Amiibo, we should just say oh. that, oh. of course, three new Amiibo are releasing this holiday. Uh, we're getting the Inkling yellow. Yep. The Octoling, Octoling blue. blue. And small fry. <laughs> small fry. Small and fry. Small fry. Instant top 10 amiibo of all time for me. <laughs> Instant top 10 amiibo. Really? I love it. I love the way it looks. I love the I love the color of the ink. I love the little like kind of shiny, like translucent salmonid eggs. The salmon eggs, yeah. That 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 are there. Like I can't wait to see what that looks like in person. I love the mold on small fry. 
Um, they're going to be released in a three pack again yeah. coming uh, this winter. This holiday. And, yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, I like, you know me, I buy all the Amiibo, but, yeah. but these, I mean, the, Spl- I, I the Splatoon Amiibo are uniformly some of the best Amiibo that they've released. I'm going to love seeing all the Splatoon Amiibo from the first three games kind of all lined up next to each other because they've specifically been using different colors each game. I think Splatoon yes. 2 was neon green and purple or not uh, purple, but pink. I, pink, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the Splatoon 1 Amiibo was... Uh oh man, I say of course it was, but I can't even remember what colors they were now. But they, the Splatoon one. Oh gosh, I can't remember either. Ooh, I mean, I'm I could actually... just look behind me. <laughs> I, could, <laughs> I could literally just look behind me. Uh, where are they? Is it orange they were green, and blue? Green and orange. Yeah. So it was an it was an orange and blue inkling, and then it was the green green squid. So that's great. Uh, you know, I, I'm really, I'm happy that they're doing that. I'm, I'm yeah. happy that we're getting more Amiibo because Amiibo has been kind of like winding down a little bit in recent years. And yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of happy that we're continuing to see new Amiibo and it makes sense to do it for Splatoon. If you're going to do it for anything, do it for Splatoon 3. I mean, we still get them with like the major, major games. There's still some Smash Brothers Amiibo that we know are coming that we're waiting on. Obviously, we just got some new Amiibo for Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak with Malzano and the couple Malzano armored Palico and Palamutes. We've got no these Xenoblade coming Amiibo first. Yet. No Xenoblade. Oh, mm. Mm. Get on that. Get on Z- that. I need a Cinna Amiibo, Nintendo. I need that. <sighs> Who are you telling? I need a Cinna Amiibo. I need an Amiibo <laughs> with Gall is what I, I need. Sh- she she is the girl with the gall. I know that about her. <laughs> if I know nothing yeah. else about any Nintendo game, I know that is that Cinna is the girl with the gall. But uh yeah, I mean, yeah, there's there's so much to take away because you know, a lot of people are are probably gonna be spending most of their time in turf war, like we've said, but like there's so much to do in this game. There's so so much to do in this game. I I really think that that what is it the the card battle thing what's it called Yeah it's called a uh, table turf battle Table turf battle I actually think that looks really cool It looks, looks cool like, doesn't it Looks like some kind of like Hearthstone triple triad uh Gwent style Splatoon card game It's it's this weird thing where you yeah you like lay down turf almost like a Tetris grid yeah. And and like you're you're kind of, you know, in in a weird way inking turf or whatever, just like you would in the normal turf war, but each player has got their own deck and and there's actually 150 collectible cards in the game. Um everybody is going to get like a starter pack, but then you're going to have to unlock the cards and build your own decks to play table turf battle with. Dude, I I just know myself. I'm going to be going so far out of my way. I really hope I really hope they don't tie unlocking cards to doing like stupid stuff in turf battle because right. i will i will lose the match for my side to do some of these challenges to collect those cards i'm just saying that right now if they if they include challenges like you have to get like 10 paint bucket you know splats within right. one match like i'm sorry i'm throwing strategy out the window and i'm just jumping in there i don't care if i lose the match so i kind of hope they don't uh, gate it behind weird challenges like that because I know yeah. I'm going to see some people online just running around like what are they doing are they drunk what's <laughs> going on it's like no they're just trying to complete a card challenge oh okay that makes sense 
Well, yeah, so we we talked about multiple, you know, ways to unlock multiple currencies. Of course, you've got, you know, the the standard, like, kind of coin currencies back that you're going to earn from, you know, standard battling, leveling up, whatever. Um, You're also going to have your Sheldon licenses. You're also going to have, like, you're going to get these... Um, you're still going to have, we'll, we'll talk about Splatfest in a little bit, but you're still going to have that, those, those sort of, um, uh, little, what, what would you call them? These little, I think they're called sea urchin chunks in the game, um, that you use to kind of like re-roll your gear and get your perfect gear oh, loadout yeah. and everything that's going to come back. There's also a conch shell, uh, uh, that, that we we learned about the, this like conch shell uh, consumable. There's also maybe this is just a good way to pivot into salmon run. There's also specific currencies and unlock paths in salmon run. So salmon run, of course, is back. Blessedly, mm-hmm. now open twenty four seven. Thank you. Not just you know on a loop. Every so often, you can group up and place. I think that is that was a huge barrier for me. I didn't really get into Salmon Run in Splatoon 2, and I think that's a big reason why. Um, not only did I not really have a good group, but like exactly. not being able to pop in. Exactly. Know? Not being able to have the freedom to jump in whenever you wanted, with yes. whoever you wanted, I think kept a lot of people from playing. I would have played, I'm in the same boat as you, I would have played so much more Salmon Run had those two things not been a factor. And in Splatoon 3 they are no longer a factor. Split uh, Salmon Run open 24-7, and as we've already mentioned, they have given us a ton more options for playing with friends. So getting together a team of four, much like it's been in our community with a Monster Hunter party, should yes. be super, super easy. So when the game comes out, I'm sure there will be much running on salmons within the all-in community, and I am definitely here for it, especially with oh, all yeah. the new things that they've added to Salmon Run. You've got a bunch of new boss salmonids that they showed off in the uh, in the trailer. We've got some really, into, like a bunch of returning ones, obviously, just like with the weapons, just like with a lot of the mechanics. We've got a lot of boss salmonids returning, including the one that like sits up on the tower shooting down at you. And, right, but there right. are also some some really interesting new ones, like the UFO from Mario Odyssey. Sorry, now- the slamming lid. Yeah, the slamming slam lid. lid. The UFO from Mario Odyssey is now a Splatoon villain, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they'll they'll add the 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 brutals into Salmon Run. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, like, not only new boss salmonids, but a ton of new abilities and mechanics within Salmon Run, and the King Salmonids. Once you finish all three waves. Sometimes you're going to fight a brand new, like, super boss Salmonid. The Kohozuna is his name. And I don't know if that's going to be the only one. It might not be. Yeah, there there might be multiple. The one that we've had revealed is this big old Kohozuna. Yeah. And it can appear kind of randomly sometimes just before the match ends. And it'll trigger this random kind of, like, final wave where you have a limited time to take him down. Now, it is optional. Like, you will yes. have still finished... That yes. salmon run, even You've if still you don't succeeded take them down. in the right. salmon run, it is. That's another thing that they showed up, or it's another piece of information that showed up on the uh, on the website that a couple people right. have already kind of made public. Is the fact that it is basically just treated as a bonus round. You right. don't have to worry about failing the salmon run if you get to that part. If you just happen to run into the Kohozuna or another yeah. different king salmon at the end of your salmon run, but uh, like they were always super intense. 
adding more variety. It's it's going to be a ton of fun. I can't wait. And especially for those who much more prefer the co-op side of things as opposed to the uh, as opposed to the competitive side, because I do know, especially when it comes to big online multiplayer games like this, it is good that they're adding competitive modes because obviously a big portion of this game's audience is going to be young kids who may feel right. really intimidated at the prospect of jumping into an online competitive game against adults who have been honing their skills for years. I know if I were like some six or seven year old, I wouldn't want to just jump in to Splatoon Turf War and just get splatted 50 times in a row by somebody (laughs) who's been who's, you know, been a pro at the first two games. So I love the fact that they have expanded the accessibility of Salmon Run for people who uh, who are really reticent about jumping into the more competitive modes of the game who are or, or who are looking to kind of see how the game is played in an online multiplayer setting to see how other people play the game and maybe get more comfortable with the online setting before jumping into the more competitive modes. Right. You're you're going to get so much more engagement with Salmon Run in this game, guaranteed. Absolutely. And yeah, I can't I can't wait to to really kind of dig into that. They're also for people who are upset that there wasn't going to be some sort of like exclusive timed thing involved with Salmon Run anymore. There still will. We don't know the exact details of it, but they have announced big runs that yes. are going to happen on occasion where the Salmonids will actually invade Splatsville itself, where they're going to be appearing in some of the multiplayer stages. That's so sick. that I, mm, that's going to be fun. I don't know exactly how that's going to pan out, but I can guarantee you, especially because of how those are going to be timed events. I can imagine the rewards for that are going to be exponential. Yes. Yes. So something that we haven't talked about yet we talked about multiplayer. We've talked about co-op. We haven't yet touched on single player. No, we have not. And I'm really excited. I, you know, completed obviously both of the campaigns. That was actually the first thing I did with Splatoon 1 and Splatoon 2 before I even considered jumping online was I completely played through the story mode. A, because yeah. I mean, I'm a big single player guy anyway. I love narratives sure. and I love campaigns and stuff. But the campaigns are also a really good way, especially if you're a newcomer to the franchise. They're a really good way to get familiar with the different weapons because in both games, you had ample opportunity to use basically every weapon and get familiar with every weapon in the game by the end of it. And like a lot of the level design was just really fun. And a lot of the bosses were just bonkers stupid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they they did... They've done a really good job with Splatoon 1 and Splatoon 2's campaigns, but especially Octo Expansion. Yeah, the Octo Expansion was fantastic. It's amazing. And Splatoon 3 is apparently the epic finale of the saga, of, yeah. Of the saga. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And, and we we still don't really know that much about it. Um, your Agent 3. You are the <laughs> newest recruit to the Squid uh, the Squid Beak Splatoon. You've got a bunch of returning characters. Of course, Captain Cuttlefish is back. Yeah, he's sticking um, his head out of the little manhole cover in Splatsville, just like a yeah. crazy person. And then, of course, uh, in the campaign, we saw the confirmed return of Callie and Marie. I didn't see my girls Pearl and Marina. You didn't, although... They did kind of tease uh, paid DLC later on, and they had like some silhouettes there, and that just looks so much like Perla Marina. I have to imagine it involves them. Yeah. 
Uh, I so we'll I see. love Callie and Marie. Don't get me wrong, but Pearl and Marina were the stars of of my heart in Splatoon Two. <laughs> I loved them. I never wanted to skip the the morning announcements every time I got. Although apparently that's something you can do as well now in Splatoon Three for those who want to do that. So there you go, another quality of life update for you guys. So you're gonna have this this campaign that is going to apparently be about uncovering the mystery of the mammalians. The return. mammalians, yes. Learn, I, I guess uh, <laughs> there's something called Alterna, the fuzzy ooze, uh, which is a thing, I guess. And then we got a very brief shot of the antagonist of basically the entire yes! series at this point. <laughs> DJ Octavio is back. <laughs> DJ Octavio has been some of the most fun boss fights on the Nintendo Switch. Well, in the series, because the first Splatoon was on the Wii U, but right, uh, right. but DJ Octavio has been some of the best boss fights in Nintendo games in the past decade. I those are such fun, like stage long, like, yeah. Like the the fights against DJ Octavio are op- are basically an entire kind of level in in and of themselves but they're so so much fun he's such a great character he runs around in this massive basically like mini stage to scale it's almost like this little mini amphitheater that he just kind of fits into and it's his big dj booth of his he's so great i love him. he's got this big samurai helmet on i'm so glad he's back yeah but i mean as you mentioned perla marina being kind of absent for this game's story means that we need a new group to uh, give us the the news, give us the latest on all the splat fests and the rotation of stages and whatnot. We need somebody to host the what we now know is called the Anarchy Splatcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need new hosts, and this time we don't just have two of them; we have three, a trio called Deep Cut, <laughs> and they've got big shoes to fill, man. They but- do, yeah. I don't know. They got a big person with them to fill them. They <laughs> big man. <laughs> yep. The Manta Ray big man who seems to have gotten a very large online following over the past oh, yeah. few He's days. Great. But it's a three person, three squid. Uh, well, they're not even all squids. A three sea creature troop this time. You've got right. Fire, Shiver, and Big Man, the Manta character. And, you know, I've got to say, Pearl and Marina are still. Uh, I mean, I'll give them a chance. I will. But Pearl and Marina, as of right now, are still number one in my heart. Well, yeah. So here's the deal. Everybody was like this when Pearl and Marina were revealed to, especially with Pearl in particular. People were so mean to Pearl when they first revealed her. (laughs) And now everybody loves Pearl because she's just this little, you know, aggro goblin, you know, character. (laughs) And, uh, And now people are being mean to Fry. And Fry is like this. I think she's adorable. I thought it was I, Fire. I, no, it's Fry. Did I miss that? F-R- okay. F R Y E. I thought it was. I thought it was Y R E. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it was like Fire and Shiver. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think that's what it's kind of supposed to like look into. I'm pretty sure. Now you got me second guessing myself. I'm pretty sure it's Fry, but I think you're. I think that's what they're going for. Um. Yeah, it's Fry. That's okay. right. I just had to confirm that. But but I think that is kind of what they're going for there. She's got a little bit of like a little fried calamari, like scrunchy 
on her hair and um, people are just like making fun of her and being mean to her playing tic-tac-toe <laughs> on her forehead and whatnot. I'm like, leave her, leave Fry alone, y'all. I think she's cute. It, it, just, I'm just waiting on Q, you know, three months from now and everybody loves her the same way they fell in love with Pearl. So, but they've got big shoes to fill. I will say they we've already heard the, the first deep cut tune, which is called Anarchy Rainbow. And it's fantastic. Like I just, I, I that that was my big thing is I, I just love being back in the world of Splatoon and mm-hmm. hearing the music and seeing these new characters. Shiver, by the way, we haven't even mentioned Shiver really is this kind of like prissy, you know, kind of like stuck up. She's she's wearing this like kimono and she's uh you know after the music is over she kind of like closes up her little like folding fan and just kind of waltzes away with a smug look on her face. <laughs> She's great. There, I I really like them all. It's gonna be again hard to top uh, Perla Marina, but I mean, you know, we got to give them chance to grow on us. You know, we do, we do. We'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to to checking them out. Um, but I I mean, there's so so much to talk like still to talk about uh, with this. You've got uh. In addition to Turf War, you've got all kinds of rotating multiplayer modes that are going to be in the game. We have Splat Zone, Tower Control, Rainmaker, Clam Blitz. Those are going to be rotating multi... Yeah, basically. (laughs) They're going to be rotating multiplayer modes. Uh, We talked about Salmon Run and Big Run, the Mammalians. Uh, They're going to have a ton of options running around town that you can do. One of the cool things that I really appreciate is the fact that you have an option to actually do recon on the multiplayer maps. I love the fact that you can do that. I love the fact that you can do recon on the multiplayer maps. And speaking of Splatsville, uh, a big part of the end of the direct was showing deep cut kind of parading around town, dancing on top of these massive like double decker floats or something. So I wonder if that's just going to be something that's going to happen. They're just going to occasionally, you know, just parade around town. Well, what it is, is it's for Splatfest. Um, They, and, and Pearl and Marina did this too. I mean, that's one of the cool things is when Splatfests are going on, like the Plaza would just, even if back in like Inkopolis Plaza, it would be all decked out with lights and like the performers, the squid sisters off the hook, whatever they would be performing. And it's going to be the same way here. Deep cut is going to perform. It's going to be all decked out. You've got vendors on the streets making, you know, takoyaki and dongo and things like that. It, it is like a, an actual festival. And uh, yeah, you got big man there on this, like, you know, moving <laughs> float. And I just, Oh, it's so great. I, I love it. And yeah, you mentioned earlier, um, I just want to really briefly, because I know this is a big deal for a lot of people, never really bugged me, but yes, the kind of special announcements can be skipped now um, and sent to your little sea cucumber phone that I guess everybody has <laughs> in, in the Splatlands. Yeah. Um, and there, it, it sounds like there will be special broadcasts that are mandatory. I imagine those will be like the Splatfest broadcasts. That and um, probably the, the update broadcasts. Yeah, when there's like a big new update or a new uh, catalog, we haven't even touched on that. Like, there's the, the the items that you can get from Hotlantis are in a revolving catalog, which is essentially uh, this game's version of uh, seasons in yeah. like you know Fortnite, Fall Guys, whatever. Uh, that's basically what this is. So I am, yeah, I imagine those will be mandatory too. But the vast majority of them, including 
the intro announcements can be skipped and sent to your phone, which I know is going to be huge for a lot of people. Yeah, being able to just see kind of updates and little news tickers and stuff at the top of the screen as opposed to stopping the game. Yeah, yeah. Is I think is going to be a, a much more palatable situation for a lot of people. And I will say, I something that I haven't seen really anybody bring up, but I thought was a really nice touch. You know how, you know, Callie Marie and uh, Pearl and Marina, they do this kind of like finger, you know, dripping yeah. thing, kind of like tentacles waving. Right, right. It's, you know, it's the fresh thing to do for the popular groups or whatever. They just do this kind of finger thing. If you notice, Deep Cut, does three on both hands for Splatoon three. That's I cute. Thought th- I thought that was a nice touch. Some people have already kind of like um, tried to like nail down the specific, you know, uh, squids that they, they think that um, that that uh, Fry is a vampire squid because she has kind of like a glow in her mouth and glow on her fingertips and things like that. It's possible. Uh, the, the vibe I get from them, especially since this is the anarchy splat cast and we're in the splat lands and everything. I get like this kind of like uh mad max vibe from, uh, from a lot of this stuff, you know, especially with some of the locales that we've seen already. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean the whole, like the first thing that we saw, and I wonder how this is going to play in to the campaign. One of the first images that we saw for Splatoon three way, way back when was the Eiffel tower. Right. So, I mean, we know this is very much like the, the lore of the game that you can unlock. It's very much in the background. It's not something that they've ever really pushed to the front of the games, but it's always been in there is this is a post-apocalyptic, a very, yeah. very post-apocalyptic version of Earth. So this whole idea of the return of the mammalians or whatever, I think is really interesting. And they talk about finishing the saga. I really hope. I don't know how it's going to be handled, especially considering that they've already confirmed large scale paid DLC on the same scale as I imagine as the Octo expansion. That's going to be in the game eventually. I just I wonder how that's going to be handled in regards to the end of the narrative that's already going to be there as part of the story. I don't know. Are you going to have to buy? Are you going to be forced to buy the Octo expansion for Splatoon 3 or whatever they wind up calling it? Are you going to be forced to buy it to get the true ending? Could be a couple things. It could be that. Um, it could be that you are... I mean, again, we saw the silhouette. It just... I mean, it, it has to be Pearl and Marina. Um, it just has to be. Uh, you, you see Pearl's crown and, and Marina's like whole head silhouette so clearly. Um, it could be that it's a story explaining what was happening with them um, while everything else was going on. It could be like a side story that takes place concurrently to the Splatoon 3 main story um, involving them. So who knows? I don't know. We'll see. But I guarantee you, guarantee you that especially after what they did with the Octo expansion a little while back, I guarantee that the whatever they wind up calling the big paid DLC expansion for Splatoon 3, I guarantee day one, that's going to be part of the expansion pack. Maybe. I, you know, I would like to think that. Um, I think that would be smart. Yeah. I was surprised, like, when we when we got to Xenoblade 3 and their expansion pack wasn't included, but, you know, granted, though, if it's going to be Torna-sized, that's basically another game, you know? So... It's a little bit different with Splatoon 3. If it's going to be Octo Expansion sized, and now Octo Expansion is part of Expansion Pack, then, you know, by logical sense, you would assume that this would be too. So we'll see. 
Um, I would like to see that. I would like to see them drive people to expansion pack even more for sure. Yeah. But I mean, it's not just big paid DLC. We did get confirmation of many, many free updates coming to Splatoon 3 over the course of, at the very least, the next couple years. years. Yeah, yeah. We've already got confirmation, like you said, brand new catalogs coming to uh, Hotlantis. In addition mm-hmm. to that, they already confirmed that. Uh, along with those new catalogs, new weapons will be added into Splatoon 3 as well. And the Splatfests. Yes. Yeah, that's probably the last big component we haven't touched on yet is Splatfest because Splatfests are, of course, coming back to Splatoon Mm -hmm. 3, but it is not just a copy-paste. Splatfests are going to be handled very, very differently in Splatoon 3. Yes, the biggest and most obvious change to the Splatfest is going to be the fact that uh, it's a party of three this time around. Three is definitely going to be a crowd this time around because it used to just be two options. You were either Team Red, Team Blue, Team Sweet, Team Savory, Team Whatever versus Team Whatever. Now it's a three-way. Yep. So you're going to be able to pick from three teams. Um, The the first, we're, we're actually getting kind of a early look of world premiere Splatfest happening a couple weeks before the game comes out on August 27th. Uh, from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time. And of course, if you're going to have three teams, <laughs> the most obvious first Splatfest had to be rock versus paper versus scissors. I dig it. I dig it. What so, team are you, Seth? You know, I'm not 100% sure because I really actually liked the argument that that a lot of them made. My favorite part, because of course, I mean, one of the best things about Splatfest is seeing the people argue yeah. for their side. Yeah. Um. And I did like Fry's argument that you could write devastating words on paper, you know? So I thought that was pretty great. I but, like a big man's like, but scissors are already sharp. But it, yeah, but it's like hard to go against big man. I just love big man so much, you know? So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens, but it's interesting because you're going to be able to choose just like in previous games, you're going to be able to choose your team, whichever way you fall a few days in advance. And you can actually already begin earning these conch shells by, uh, Lockleth in the chat says, you got to pick big man. You got to pick big man. Um, you can earn these con shells uh, by battling and playing Salmon Run or whatever, and you can then go to this shell-out machine in the lobby to unlock locker items and splash tags. And in addition to that, uh, when you do this, those con shells will also be applied to your team's final score. So even if you don't play the final like event, even if you're like not available for when Splatfest is going on, you can still help out your team. That's really cool. But for me... Probably the most interesting announcement, the most interesting thing in this entire direct happened when they told us how the actual Splatfest structurally was going to be handled. Because for those who have played Splatfests in the past, because they were even doing them recently on Splatoon 2, they supported that game for years with Splatfests. Uh, It was, you know, handled very much in a traditional kind of turf war setting. There's an additional kind of wrinkle to the Splatfest now, which my Lord, I hope they expand on man, because the implication of this is just so amazing. The final 
I guess the final version, the final kind of challenge, the final form is an actual three team tri-color Splatfest. That is so good. A a tri-color turf war. Oh my God. Three teams, not just two, but for the first time in Splatoon history, three teams vying for total turf dominance. Oh my God, I hope they expand this into a regular game mode. It's really cool because basically the way it shakes out is you're going to go into a match um, during Splatfest, you know, fighting for your team. In the first half, you're going to be competing in a standard kind of 4v4 turf war battle. But then in the second half, you're going to be doing these, like you mentioned, tricolor turf wars. And basically the first place team is going to have four players on it. And then the other teams are going to be attacking them uh, basically two on two. So two players on each other team and the first place team is going to have to defend themselves against the opposing sides. Yeah. On a two war front, basically. So the advantage is the winning team from the previous match gets their entire party. The disadvantage is they have to defend themselves in the middle of the map from both sides. And even if you lose that initial match, even if you're one of the two two-person losing teams, you can still come out on top. You can still very easily come out on top and wind up winning that final challenge in the Tricolor Turf War. Oh my God, I can't wait to play those. That was so cool. That was like the the kind of big unexpected thing for me because I've seen a lot of discourse online from people who are like, this is just, you know, Splatoon, you know, 1.5 or 2.5 or whatever. They haven't changed enough. And I'm like, to me... You know, the core gameplay doesn't really need to be changed, but they have added and they have made so many quality of life improvements and they have like shaken up Splatfest, which are a core. I mean, that is the tail of these games. That is what's going to keep people coming back after everybody's played through the single player, after everybody is kind of done what they needed to do in Salmon Run, Splatfests are going to be the thing that keep you logging into the game. And having this in there to really kind of stir the pot um, is, is a huge deal. And I think a really cool way to, to make this one a unique entry in the series. Yeah. But I mean, regardless at the end of the day, there's, I mean, there's just so much to sink your teeth into. You've got is standard online multiplayer battles. You've got the turf war. You've got the four different rotating multiplayer modes that we briefly mentioned. If you just want to go on and play through the campaign, good for you. If you just want to do salmon run, I'm sure that's going to be more than enough for you to do. If you just want to jump in, collect uh, collect and unlock a few cards, and do the table turf battle, or if you just want to do splat fests, this is an, this is going to be a ridiculously content rich game to the point where you could probably get a full game's worth of money out of any one of those modes. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, again, I know we spent a lot of time talking about Splatoon 3, but there was so much to break down, so much news in this direct. Uh, the the hype cycle for Splatoon 3 has finally kicked into full gear. Yes! The game now less than a month away, coming out September 9th. We're really just in a couple of weeks going to be able to get our hands on it with that world premiere Splatfest. Again, uh, that's on August 27th from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time. And uh, definitely going to have to try to get some community members together there. I'm going to have to make a, you know, uh, Squidbeak Splatoon channel or something in the <laughs> Discord well, so that I'm people can very get together. Much look, I'm very much looking forward to playing Splatoon 3 
on my Splatoon 3 OLED. Oh, yes. Yeah, Ooh. actually, yeah. You That's going to be coming out right around the same time as that Splatfest. So. Yep. There you yep. go. That's a, that blows my mind. They didn't do that in the direct. They didn't be like, oh, by the way, we've got the Splatfest going on for rock, paper, scissors at the end of the month. By the way, we've also got that amazing looking Splatoon 3 Nintendo Switch OLED model dropping right yeah. around that same time. That is surprising. But yeah, uh, a lot to unpack, man. But uh, but but I think we've done it. There's still news to get into, though. So what do you say we get into it? Sounds good. There's a few things to talk about. Splatoon 3 wasn't the only direct presentation that we got in the world of Nintendo. So let's talk about it. Hey, listen. Well, really quickly, I think we should just touch on a couple things that happened over the course of this past week and at least acknowledge that they happened, even though there wasn't really too many takeaways for us, for our purposes, for this show. This past week, we had Bit Summit. Which was cool. Wasn't really too many Nintendo, too, too many high-profile takeaways from Bit Summit. Unfortunately, we had a few from the past couple of years. I will say, uh, Bat Boy from Sonsai Games and X Plus had a ridiculous last couple day Kickstarter surge. They were only at like twenty seven percent going into the last three days of their Kickstarter and wound up getting fully funded by several thousand dollars. That was insane. Yeah, very they wound cool. up they wound up getting a ton of last minute support from the completionist, from the Yeti, from uh, Yacht, Yacht Club, Club games. Yeah. Yep, so that was kind of insane. In addition to that, we had Evo twenty twenty two that happened this past weekend. Ton of really interesting announcements. Unfortunately, most of those announcements specifically excluded the Nintendo Switch. However, right. if you would like to hear a full breakdown of everything that was announced and everything that was talked about, we did a full episode of All In Side Quest on it just a few days ago. So if you want to check that out, you're going to have to become a patron. That's right. That's right. All In Side Quest, our Patreon-exclusive show where we talked about Evo and really just kind of let Eric go on fighting games. So... Uh, y'all know Eric's fighting game <laughs> expertise, and it was on full display during uh, All In Side Quest this week. So that's our Patreon-exclusive show we do every week where we talk about Nintendo topics. So we do cover Evo in the latest episode, and we do talk fighting games in yeah. the latest episode. So go figure, after playing fighting games for three decades, I've had a couple <laughs> things to bring up in that conversation. But... Earlier on today, if you're listening to this live, if you're joining us live on twitch.tv slash all in podcast, earlier today, we had THQ Nordic's direct presentation that went for about 40 minutes and started out really strong. Actually, I thought Alone in the Dark looked really cool, not coming to Nintendo. And then I was progressively less impressed by basically every game they showed off from that point none of which came are coming to Nintendo. Genuinely, two games from that entire presentation even had Nintendo Switch logos, and those games were, one, AEW Fight Forever, which literally played the same video that was leaked and broadcast by AEW themselves a couple weeks ago. So that's a thing. And then the final full game they showed off which is the new SpongeBob SquarePants game. Which didn't even get a release date and and 
looked kind of janky, but you know, that's just and, me. I mean, if you're a SpongeBob fan, I'm sure there's a lot to be really excited for. Maybe it's the next Bikini Bottom. Who knows? But again, yeah, it was the final real game they showed off and we didn't even get a release date for it. I thought that was weird. And admittedly, yeah. just based on the way it looked, it did look like kind of, I it, I mean, maybe this is just having to scale it down for the Nintendo Switch possibly, but it looked kind of like a late PS4 game. It didn't necessarily look like the cutting edge of video game development, but I mean. It's a budget game. It is yeah. a budget game. It's THQ Nordics. I mean, that does kind of make sense, but it's not coming out at $60 at least. This is something you confirmed. Right. It is coming out at $39.99, so right. that's good. But those were literally the only two games that even had a Switch logo associated with them. It even looked like they were trying to make the Switch logo as small as possible on those <laughs> trailers. But yeah, AEW Fight Forever, a replay in a trailer that was released two weeks ago by AEW themselves, and a little bit more information on and a little bit of gameplay from the new SpongeBob game with no release date given whatsoever. And then a tease at the end of a new South Park game, although no confirmation about if that's coming to the Nintendo Switch. It is possible because uh, South Park... Uh, the Sick of Truth and South Park, The Fractured But Whole are both on the Nintendo Switch. Right. Sick of Truth is is on the Switch, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. both on the Switch. So, um, so who knows? Who so knows? who knows? But it was the logo and like a little soundbite and that was it. Yeah, that was really it. And I don't know. It's I don't think it was. I honestly don't think it was that great of a showing. The two presenters wound up basically just reading off a little advertisement for each game after they showed the trailer for it. And it just visibly looked like they were trying harder and harder to make the game sound good as the, as the presentation went on to the point where they congratulated themselves at the end of it. Like, Oh, thank God we're done. (laughs) Well, look, my, my, uh, my mother taught me if I don't have anything nice to say to not say anything at all. So uh, I'm just not going to say anything about the THQ Nordic digital presentation. I didn't think it was very good. I think that if next time, next time they do it, you know, I hope they come with uh, stronger announcements that resonate with more people. And I hope that they present it in a way that is more, um, that, that is more streamlined and more flashy. I don't really need you to have, you know, banter and like long winded things with your hosts or whatever on stage. I hope it's just, you know, go, go, go. Nintendo is really good at this. Just copy that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe so. uh, juxtaposing high octane trailers with people talking in very slow cadence for a couple minutes on end isn't the best way to show off your games. But that's especially just me. Since, that's just especially me. since THQ Nordic, they, they own all these IP. I mean, one of the things they said is like, and also there are still like 26 other unannounced games in development. I mean, THQ Nordic is such a bizarre company. Don't get me started on that again. <laughs> but like if you're if you have so much, I mean, they could have literally cut this in half and just made this, you know, announcement after announcement. Show, yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. You know, I think that would have been much, much better because at least if something didn't speak to you, you're on to the next thing pretty quick. Well, if you've got a PS5 or an Xbox Series X and you're into RTSs or something, there might have been a couple (laughs) things there for you. You're in good shape. And and, and admittedly, I do hope that Destroy All Humans 2 does wind up coming to the Switch at some point because we got the remake of the first game 
on the Nintendo Switch. That was shown off. I do hope that winds up coming by. But honestly, that was, I mean, we were scraping the bottom of the barrel for stuff to even talk about from that that presentation today. Yeah, yeah, but we did get a uh, a good presentation um, in the form of the Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak digital event. Now, a lot of this is kind of old news because the title update one was basically shadow dropped. Silver and gold, silver <laughs> and gold. So what Eric is referring to there, one of the kind of big draws of this title update are new monsters. Um, that are available after reaching Master Rank 10. You've got the Lucent Naryakuga, mm-hmm. which is available in the new Forlorn Arena locale. You've got the, I'm sorry, is it Bazelgeese? Is that the... That's actually one of the biggest, in my opinion, <laughs> one of the biggest announcements of this entire presentation that Capcom put on earlier this week, is we got true canonical confirmation of how Bazelgeese is pronounced. Bazelgeese. There, it's yes. not basil juice. It's not uh, basil geese. I li- basil juice is still my favorite. That's just so dumb. <laughs> well, according um, according to the American dub of the presentation, basil geese is the name of that particular monster. And so we've got this seething time it's seething. Yes, it's very mad. Very mad. And then as you were referring to, Gold Rathalos and Silver Rathian are returning. No, no, uh, no. It's well. actually flipped. Oh, it's flipped. It's Gold Rathian and Silver Rathalos? Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. The Golden Queen herself. And uh, yeah, they they showed off a lot of the gameplay and a lot of the attacks that these new versions of uh, the iconic dragons from Monster Hunter have. These are going to be some dangerous hunts and Eric cannot wait to dive into these. There's just so much going on. I haven't had time to even boot up since the update dropped a couple weeks ago or a couple weeks since the update dropped a couple days ago. Uh, but man, I really want to fight those two. I, I really want to fight Albino Nargakuga, but I really yeah. want to fight uh, the, the gold and silver wrath, the, the wraths, the gold yeah, and silver, the and silver wraths, the wraths. Yeah. Well, they've got, in addition to, you know, you had the the anomaly quests uh, unlocked in the end game of uh, Sunbreak, but now there's anomaly investigations where you can just like ratchet up the difficulty level of all of these hunts and get like crazy rewards apparently for it. Yeah. So once you finish the campaign of Sunbreak, you get access to a brand new tier of quest because of course the loop has to begin anew. Of course they have to suck you back in yep. for another loop of weapons and armor and everything. So these afflicted monsters, these anomaly hunts are currently the final loop, the final challenges in monster hunter for rise now. for now. Yeah. And we had <laughs> up to four star anomaly uh, up to four star afflicted hunts. Before this first update, they've added five-star afflicted hunts with a lot of high-level monsters, like one of the three lords from Sunbreak, the Luna Garon, like Astalos, right. the big uh, electric dr- spindly dragon mech-looking monster thing, in addition to several others. And yeah, like you said, you've got the anomaly, uh, the anomaly tracker, the anomaly uh, investigation is what they've added a way to kind of like roll the dice, almost like clue. You can set Mm -hmm. the level of the challenge. 
says like, okay, I want to do like level 10 challenge or whatever. I say, okay, based on that, we'll put you like kind of like clue, you know, okay, it'll be, you know, uh, you know, major custard in the bedroom <laughs> with the candlestick. But in this case, it's, you know, a blood orange bisha tin in the shrine ruins at nighttime. Right. Yes. I, yeah, that's... <laughs> That has got to be the only time Monster Hunter Rise and Clue have been compared in uh, human history. I love it. Well, that's why you tune into all in a Nintendo <laughs> podcast. Those deep cuts. Those deep cuts. Who, mm-hmm. who are we going to name? Who's the Colonel Mustard of, of Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak? The, cur- the Colonel Mustard of Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Garen Gall. Gar- oh, that's a good call. He does have that kind of mustardy yeah. color, doesn't he? Yeah. Mustardy color, and he's very kind of you know like built like a soldier. Yeah, he's got that. Yeah, I like that. All right. Well, that the, henceforth, Garen Golm is Colonel Mustard. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, that's the audio clip. We're that's the one like five second audio clip we're taking <laughs> from this episode. It's like, oh, Garen Golm is Colonel Mustard. There we go. You heard it here first. Well, you got that. You got new weekly event quests that are going to yes. begin starting next week. I think on next the eighteenth. The eighteenth. Yes, next yeah. Thursday. Uh, weekly quests were a huge part of the base game and yep. they all came with exclusive rewards. You know, a lot of simple things like gestures and stickers and titles and uh, little cosmetic things that you could put on your character to to customize them with. But they were still really fun and the events themselves were really fun. I know the first one of the first ones is going to be like two furious Rajang R- Rajang in the arena or something. Forget that one. <laughs> I'm not doing that one solo. I've done some hunts. I've done some high level hunts in Sunbreak solo. I did uh, I did Master Rank of Bushi solo in Sunbreak. I'm not doing two Furious Rajang solo. Forget that. Gotta put the call out to the Hunters Guild man in the Discord. Yeah. Put that call out. But those sure. those weekly quests do make me really hope that we have a few more collabs coming our way. Hope so. Hope so. Uh, we got some paid DLC. Yes. Um, which, you know, par for the course. They had, I mean, there's a ton of paid DLC for this of course. game already. Yeah. So, ton of nickel music, and dime stuff. Yeah. Background music, yeah. you know, cosmetics, layered armor, stuff like that. You can get a little tubey for your palico. You can That's get true. a little floaty now for your cat. It is it is really adorable though to be completely fair it's it's very adorable. It's cute but you know that that stuff I mean I did like I did wind up buying some of the background music. It seems like yeah. this one is uh more piano themed. I don't know if I'm really vibing with that but we'll see. I'm you know th- again this is part for the course. You can expect more. It's just the start of yeah. paid DLC for Sunbreak honestly. Yeah, this is just the first wave. This is the first update. For Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, they've got updates just like with the base game. They've got updates scheduled through next year. So very interested to see what other monsters, what other stuff shows up. We've already got one new arena with the Forlorn Arena. We've already got one new mechanic with these anomaly investigations. And another thing that we didn't even mention is with these afflicted monsters and these anomaly investigations, they've added new ways to upgrade your weapons. Because of course they did. Yeah. Because, of course, the loop begins anew. But with a lot of these afflicted monsters and the uh, these post-game quests, you'll start to get materials and you'll start to get items that will allow you to further buff, further augment your weapons of choice. Because, I like, they got to keep the loop going. Got to keep it going. 
Got to keep it going. Well, title, that's just title update one available now in Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. Title update two coming late next month, late September. Uh, And then title update three hitting sometime this winter. So support for Sunbreak is not stopping. No, and I'm definitely here for it. Whenever, whenever I can, I'm more than happy to jump in. Uh, it may not be at a moment's notice, but whenever I'm available, I will be more than happy to jump in to uh, some hunts with our community. Definitely, definitely. Well, let's uh, go in a fluffier, puffier direction. Yes. And talk about some Kirby, man, because I alluded to this earlier, man, that that Kirby 30th anniversary music fest, which happened at 4 a.m. that I was somehow awake for and watched, <laughs> had some news items in it. Somehow. Yes, there were some news items. Honestly, these news items uh, inspired me to finally stop back by my Coldstone Creamery now that their AC is fixed. And nice. I finally got to taste. I got a nice little cup of every single one of the Nintendo uh, ice oh, cream flavors. Oh, you wound flavors. up trying them all? I got all nice. of them, yeah. I didn't do them like Good. all at once, but I got a big cup of all. And the the Kirby one was the second one that I tried. I liked it. I did like it. It's very strawberry, very fluffy with marshmallows and stuff. But I think I'm with you. I really like the Mario Superstar uh, sprinkle so good. one it's good that superstar sprinkle blast is so good but but after the announcement of kirby dream buffet coming next week yes i you know just the whole kirby and sweets and you know cakes and stuff like that i had to go get kirby ice cream at that point i absolutely had to so but yes kirby dream buffet coming next week dropping for $14.99 on the Nintendo Switch. A very Fall Guys-esque, very Fall Guys-looking online multiplayer game. I am absolutely here for. Uh, We just kind of get a lot of these now. In between the Star Allies and in between the Forgotten Lands, we've gotten a ton of, you know, we got Kirby Fighters 2. We've gotten, you know, DDD Drum Bash and uh, uh, Battle Royale and Kirby uh clash kirby clash i was gonna like kirby raid battles or whatever so in between the main games we just we wind up getting a lot of these kind of smaller titles but we knew that the 30th anniversary of the pink puffball probably wasn't going to go past without one of these types of games showing up and sure enough next week here it is Nice. Yeah. So SAZ, shout out to SAZ here in the chat who uh, is commenting on Coldstone. He got Animal Crossing and his partner got the uh, Superstar Sprinkle Blast and they both really enjoyed them too. I am. I actually, now that that Pokemon video is done, the next video that I just, I got to get it out the door. I'm finally putting together that ice cream vlog that will go up on our channel very, very soon, probably next (laughs) week. Um, And then I also, since we're talking about Dream Buffet, I got to shout out this comment from Lockleth in the chat earlier who says, I'm curious to know if y'all are going to play that. And if so, I challenge y'all. Well, Lockleth, challenge accepted, my friend. We Ooh. will definitely play some Kirby's Dream oh. bu- uh, Buffet. So I'm ready for that. Again, that's next week on the 17th, uh, $14.99. I can't wait. Looks so adorable. By the way, all I needed to hear was that you're going to be able to unlock a King Dedede yeah. skin. <laughs> There's your main. That was it. Right there. That was it. The second I unlock that, I am never changing my my skin in that game. Ever. Yeah. yeah but Guaranteed. Seth and I are both going to wind up playing that. Lockleth, I only have one thing to say to you. Hi. <laughs> Bring it. Yes. Yes. Bring it. She, she says in the chat, it's on then. By the way, shout outs to Lockleth, who uh, is a fantastic 
uh, primarily Nintendo content creator and YouTuber, she put up uh, just a couple of days ago uh, a ranking of the Kirby games <laughs> on Switch. Yes. So her personal ranking. So I definitely recommend y'all check her out on YouTube and watch that video. It's it's uh, really great. Um, so yeah, Kirby Stream Buffet, again, this uh, multiplayer-centric game all about getting your Kirby nice and fat, eating strawberries, rolling around and having a great time with food copy abilities. And uh, I cannot wait. I I cannot wait to play this with the community. Um, it's going to be a great time, man. So adorable. Like one of the cutest games on Switch. Yeah. And the, fact that, they're, the fact that they're charging for it means that right. one of my initial red flags, one of my initial worries potentially about this game uh, looks like it was completely unfounded, thankfully. I was a little concerned initially because this very much felt to me at the start, like a Super Mario 35 type of situation. Like for those who remember, oh, sure. yeah, when they did Mario's 35th anniversary, we had this really cool Battle Royale online multiplayer Mario-centric game. The only problem is, is we only had it for a couple months, but it was free. They're charging $14.99 for this game, which means that they better not be taking this thing away they from us in take a couple it away. months. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So... So hopefully yeah. it's not the same situation as Super Mario 35. Yeah, well, there are a lot or, of people. Um, so thankfully it's not the same situation. As, yeah. Right. I, I There were a lot of people, kind of myself included, I was kind of almost expecting it to be a free-to-play title. I to kind be of was too. Because, yeah. I mean, Fall Guys is free-to-play. They certainly make right. up their... Uh, they certainly make up their money in other places with a lot of these special events they have going on. Speaking of Segway. Oh, that's a good segue. That's a good segue. Well, hang on, hang on. You're 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 selling Kirby short. You're selling Kirby short, first of all. I'm gonna give you that segue in a second, but you're selling Kirby short because, you know, there wasn't just that. There was another announcement. That we have to. Mention. Oh yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's fair. Let me roll back that Sorry. segue. Sorry, gotta roll back. <laughs> yeah, gotta roll it back. Sorry, because and this was amazing. <laughs> Japan is getting an HD Blu-ray remastered release of the Kirby Right Back At You anime series. Keyword: Japan is getting Japan. Now, there's no reason not to localize this, honestly. If they're doing all this work anyway, all that stuff exists. There's no reason not to localize it. So I'm really hoping for a Western release of this. But the fact that it exists, the fact that this is happening is amazing. Localize it just for Ant, dude. Just for him. Just for him. That's all I'm asking. Just do it for I just, the Ant. I gotta see... I, I have got to see King Dedede's... <laughs> that take on King Dedede is so funny. He's like, the voice they have for him is almost like this, uh, like this, uh, like Western land baron or something. Like, it's so weird. And uh, I just, I, I love that dumb little anime and I hope it gets a full release here. We can't but, uh, leave Kirby right back at you left on the Game Boy Advance video. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we can't leave so, it there. Bring it up to the modern age. But yes, Eric, to uh, to roll the segue back. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog event happening in Fall Guys, uh, happening actually right now through the 15th, uh, which is going to include a brand new stage, Bean Hill Zone, which that's amazing. Like that's that alone. Great. But I actually, I took a little bit of umbrage with the way that they announced this and they advertised this. Oh, yes. Yes. Because they announced this and advertised this by calling it Sonic's 
adventure capitalized too they didn't just say like you know oh sonic's adventure and fall guys like it was capital s capital a sonic's adventure yes and i immediately had to do a double take like i'm sorry what (laughs) you cannot knew what they were doing you cannot put those two words that close together and people not start to get heart palpitations i mean come on guys come on yeah yeah so uh they knew exactly what they were doing there they, let's not even front about that first. The, the Dr. But Robotnik bean does look really good. <laughs> I love the skins. I like, I have never spent money on fall guys. This honestly may get me to, I'm not lying to you. Like bean Hill zone. That's an amazing course. You can actually unlock the Sonic skin through the, uh, the event coins or whatever that you can get. So you should be able to do that fairly easily, but supersonic tails, yep. uh, knuckles, knuckles and Eggman. Yep. Um, are, are skins that you're most likely going to have to wind up paying for. And I, I again, I think I'm just going to have to do it. I need that Eggman skin. <laughs> that that Eggman skin does look, because it's got like, most of the skins in Fall Guys still kind of leave that blank expression that the beans have. But the, yeah. the Eggman skin, the Eggman costume, actually has like the mustache and the goggles and everything. It's got like full facial features. It looks really good. It's so good. So again, that's happening right now. I'm gonna have to jump on this weekend and uh, and play some Fall Guys. So maybe we can get some community members uh, playing some Fall Guys uh, together this weekend. Maybe we can play some Bean Hill Zone and show off our Sonic skins. So some Bean Hill really Zone, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Jumping Bean Hill Zone, Sonic jumps. I don't know. Maybe there's something there. I don't know. But we do have to take a little bit of a left turn. We're talking about Square Enix now. Square Enix upcoming yes. strategy RPG, the Diofield Chronicle, has a free demo out now. And like a lot of RPGs, this game, uh, the demo for this game will, uh, uh, the demo progress will go into the final game if you so choose. Right. So yes, just wanted to put that out there. There's a lot of JRPG stuff going on right now. Obviously, Digimon Survive Chief among them. Uh but uh, it, that was a joke, by the way, Seth. <laughs> the the biggest game of the summer. Did you biggest game of the summer? I want to play it too. That's the joke. Because I actually really want to play. Yeah, of course. It. But yeah, so this upcoming RPG. Don't. I mean, I hope that it's good. Uh, Square Enix has been releasing a lot of JRPGs. I still want to get to those. Oh man, what were they? The uh, the ones with the the card aesthetic. You know what I'm talking oh, yeah. about? Oh, uh, yeah. Voice of Cards. Yeah, the Voice yeah. of Cards games. The yeah. fact that they released like two full Voice of Cards RPG right back to back from each other. I hope that yeah. would be great. That would be two games to release as a physical package together. I would buy that. But yeah, so they've got this They've got this upcoming RPG, the Dialfield Chronicles. If you're into it, check out the demo online. And like with most RPGs with demos on the Nintendo Switch eShop, if you wind up picking up the full game, your progress from the demo will carry over. Yep, that game's coming out November 11th. Uh, I've heard it's good. I've heard the demo's good. I haven't played it. I hear it's like a big demo, like several hours, like you can get out of it. So look, if you're into like strategy RPGs, check it out. Dialfield Chronicle. Um, but we do unfortunately have a couple of little delay announcements here that happened this past week that we need to kind of stop and talk about for a second. Um, first of all, from our friends at way forward, we've been looking forward to river city girls too. Yep. Um, 
Still planned to release sometime this year, but is no longer going to be making its summer release window. So just a little bit of an update on River City Girls 2. We're very excited for that. We obviously uh, interviewed at the beginning of last year, Adam yeah. Tierney, um, about the first River City Girls um, from Way Forward. So uh, we love that game and we're, we're looking forward to this, but we're going to have to wait a little bit longer. Um, let it cook. You know, that's that's kind of my take yeah. on all delays. Let it cook. Well, when it, com- I mean? when it comes to Way Forward's their own IPs. Yeah. We know those games are going to be good. Yes. Way yep. forward does phone it in with a lot of the licensed games. I, I mean, we keep going back to Bakugan, but I think that's just the perfect example of something like that. But when it comes to their IPs, the Shantae's and the river city girls and the mighty switch forces and stuff like that, they are uniformly very good games. Uh, river city girls is, you know, right up there with a lot of the best beat-em-ups on the Nintendo Switch, which may seem like an interesting qualifier, but the Nintendo Switch has some amazing beat-em-ups on it. It has Scott Pilgrim. It has Streets of Rage 4. It has TMNT Shredder's Revenge on it. And it's still one of the best beat-em-ups on the console, even with all that competition. Definitely check it out if you haven't already. Seth and I are very excited, quite excited for the release of River City Girls 2. Again, still releasing sometime this year. Yep. Yep. Looking forward to it. Uh, Metal Slug Tactics. Dude. Which, looking forward to that too. Another I am tactics too. game. I need the Metal uh, Slug collection on the Nintendo Switch. I do. I really do. Yeah. I don't want to get off on too much of a rant. I love the Metal Slug series. I don't get too many tactics-based games, but I will get this day one when it releases. I love this franchise so much. The Metal Slug, greater sign, Contra. Don't at me. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's a hot take. I think pound for pound, I think I would agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know but, what it's going to look like in tactics form, but right. just but just that IP being attached to, to that type of genre, it does make a lot of sense. It does make yeah. a lot of sense. And I'm expecting big things from Metal Slug Tactics. So I, I really hope it's good. It looks great. It looks great. Let I don't think cook. it ever had a... Yeah, let it cook. I don't think it ever had a... Um, a solid release date, but it's now been delayed into next year. So uh, we we don't know much more beyond that, but probably the, well, I would say inarguably the most high profile delay that happened uh, this week was the delay of Hogwarts legacy, um, which was initially scheduled for this holiday. Now coming out February 20, uh, February 10th, 2023 on other platforms, mm-hmm. not switch, but uh, no, no switch release date. They say it's coming soon. They're going to reveal the date soon. I yes. guess. So another game that the Nintendo switch version is going to take a little extra tender loving care before it's available to come out, uh, which I mean is kind of expected with a lot of big high profile Omni platform releases at this point, Hogwarts legacy. It doesn't surprise me at all that we're going to have to wait a little while longer, but I know there's still a bunch of Harry Potter super fans out there. I genuinely hope that this is the game that you've all been waiting for. I might check it out. Yeah, I probably won't. I, I honestly, it's, it's just never a franchise that's ever grabbed me. I saw the first six movies. I've honestly never seen the, the, the deathly hollows seen the first six movies, never saw the last two, but, uh, but for those super fans out there, for those for those legions of Harry Potter faithful, I honestly hope this is the game that you've been waiting for. No, look, that that's me. Like I'm I'm a Harry Potter super fan. I I love Harry Potter. I'm really looking forward to this game. Um, I'll be honest. I'm glad for this delay, not only for the quality of the game, but because 
Uh, it's a packed holiday already. Yeah. And to be frank, um, it's going to release even later than this. So that means that we're going to get a chance to like kind of see what to expect from the game. We'll get to see reviews, hear from our peers who are playing on other platforms, blah, 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 and kind of gauge interest for the Switch version when it comes out. Now, I'm going to probably wind up playing it regardless just to see what the game is like on Switch. But um, but yeah, it sounds like we're going to a new date soon, and uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm keeping a close eye on this game. It looks interesting. I don't know. We'll see. Again, uh, when it comes to delays at this point, I'm actually kind of thankful to have a yes. few less things on the immediate horizon for us to worry about yes. and play because there's so much stuff that we want to like. I I I'm still probably going to be obsessed with Xenoblade Chronicles for another couple of weeks at the bare minimum. I want to right. play Monster Hunter. Now apparently I've got to teach some young Nintendo content creator on YouTube a lesson in Kirby Dream Buffet now. Uh, <laughs> so so that's got to happen. So there's just so much on the near horizon that I really want to play, really want to get to, that at this point, delays are almost kind of a relief. Yeah. Well, hey, we we had some delays, but that doesn't mean the game stopped coming out, Eric. I we you have know what? some notable releases. We do. We actually have several notable releases from this past week. And Seth, you you want to join a cult? <laughs> I mean, you know what? Sure. Why not? You know, actually, why not? I, I just referenced Lockleth a few seconds ago. She was about to play Cult of the Shed. It was like, all right, which game should I play? She was on Twitter a couple of days ago. Which game should I play next? Should I join a cult or save, you know, adorable fox babies? She was referencing Indling. Right. In, 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 so I was like, well, what if you joined a cult that was dedicated to saving fox babies? <laughs> That's a nice cult, at least. That's a nice cult. I would join that cult. So Cult of the Lamb, though, not a nice cult. No, not a nice cult. Not a nice cult. <laughs> the game's from Devolver Digital. That's really all you need to know. Right. But yeah, sure enough, this is a game that we've had on our radar since the initial uh since the initial trailer from Massive Monsters, developer Massive Monsters. It finally came out. It finally came out, and I really want to get to it, man. I know it's gonna be great. It's been reviewed fantastically. It's yes. been getting a ton of very glowing reviews. Unfortunately, I have not had the ability to check it out yet, but I promise you that is a game that is very, very much near the top of my queue right now. Me too. Yeah, I want to get to that soon. Because um, like I said earlier, uh, Shy Guy City, our friend Matt Murray, community yeah. member Matt Murray, uh, he's been playing it and he loves it. And like, I just, uh, I got to get to it. I got to get to it. Um, actually speaking of shy guy city, he turned me on to this other game that came out this week, yeah. arcade paradise. Yeah. Uh, which is this weird, like arcade management sim and it looks kind of rad and I would like to play it. Uh, not again, just no time, but I would like to check this one out. Yeah. I would like to play an arcade management sim. If I would absolutely play the arcade management sim, if all the different arcade games were fully playable. I think, I mean, they're, you see them playing, like you can play the arcade games in your arcade. So like that sounds I mean, awesome I, to me. Yeah. Yeah. The closest thing I've come to that is customizing the main menu in Pac-Man Museum Plus. That's really the closest yeah. thing I've come to. So if you have a management sim like this, where you can actually play the things, the sim elements that you can manage, um, that sounds really cool. Definitely look into it. Cause, cause what this is like, you start out the game working at like a laundromat and you save up money to buy your arcade. And then once you get to the arcade, you put it together, 
manage it, and then yeah, you can just play the games there that are in your arcade. Yeah. So it looks kind of rad. Like I, I don't know. I really would like to check it out and see what the deal is. Well, I know LRG was so high on it that they like they had pre-orders up for the physical before the digital even released, before the game even wow. came out. So like they they see something in it clearly, and. I mean, so much to play, but that does sound like a really cool concept. I might have to check it out. But, 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 buttity, but, 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 but. I don't want to gloss over this one game that came out. I don't honestly know too much about it, but everything I've seen for Lost in Play looks really unique and really interesting. It looks almost like some type of playable gravity falls like some type of mm. playable adventure time the animation style is kind of reminiscent of you know the cartoon network and nickelodeon shows from around that time and it looks very cinematic in that sense but everything i've seen of it just makes me want to play it more it looks really really cool and lost in play also released this past week so I would recommend, I don't know anything about the game beyond that, but at least check it out. Check out the trailers. They're up on the Nintendo eShop right now. I wish there was a demo for it. I absolutely would have checked it out and let you guys know how it was, but unfortunately there's not, so I just have to wishlist it right now. But it was definitely worth me at least mentioning here on the show just based on the media that I've seen from it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, let, let me let me do my butt 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 butt. A character but, actually but but but, but, but. <laughs> actually a character very uh known for his um his butt is mm. uh is Crayon Shinchan. Um and a brand new game that y'all know I've been very excited for. Shinchan, me and the professor on summer vacation, the endless seven day journey, which is one of the longest titles <laughs> I've seen on the Nintendo Switch. Um has finally been localized and released this past week. Crayon uh, Shin Chan is now a Western release. So cool. I mean, we've gotten Crayon Shin Chan games here in the past, but they've been very, like, kind of, like, puzzle games and, like, kind of weird, you know, little things. It hasn't been, like, a fully featured game like this from Kazayabe, who's one of my favorite game designers, made games like Attack of the Friday Monsters and the Summer Vacation series, um, just has this way of tapping into like cozy slice of life, kind of gives you vibes like the old school Animal Crossing vibes. Um, I can't wait to play this. I own it. I bought it. I pre-ordered it. Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to play it yet. Um, I will be doing that this weekend. I'll probably be streaming it this weekend. Um, So definitely tune into that. But in addition to that, I learned today, there's not been an official announcement yet, but uh, having kept up with the Shin-Chan discourse so much and knowing several of the people who are employees of LRG and stuff like this and following them on Twitter and stuff, LRG is going to do a physical for this. Oh, nice. Um, Yes. They don't know. We don't know when. We don't know when it's going to be all ironed out. And the Shin-Chan official Twitter account has been very open about that. Um, and people from LRG are engaging with it too. They're going to do a physical. There's going to be a collector's edition. I can almost guarantee you I'm going to double dip on that. I can so. guarantee you he will double dip on that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, very much looking forward. Again, these are cozy little uh, slice of life games. If you are into slower paced adventures that just really uh, my, my selling point for Kazayabe's games, what Yakuza is to Japanese city life 
Kazayaba, uh, Kazayabe's games are to Japanese country life. So that's how I always kind of describe them. <laughs> so he's excited for this game, ladies and gentlemen. Very much so. When we did our top five uh, Japanese games that need to be localized, this was his number two. That was my number two right under Mother 3 to let you know how serious I am so, about yeah. Shin-chan. So he's excited to play it. The fact that he hasn't played it yet should show you, should tell you how, just how dedicated he is to our community. But speaking of our community, uh, guys, we've been talking for a long time about all the goings on in the world of Nintendo, but we'd love to hear what you have to say about all of it. Reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at All In Podcast on both of those platforms. Join the conversation. Join our community. If you haven't already, join us over on Discord. We'd love to have you over there. We've got a ton of stuff going on all the time over at YouTube.com slash All In Podcast. Check out that new Pokemon video that Seth put up uh, on Twitch.tv slash All In Podcast where we're live right now hanging out with a bunch of our amazing friends which we do so every friday night at 8 p.m eastern here on twitch.tv slash all in podcast doing the news live you can definitely check us out there but in addition to that if you can't hang out with us on twitch.tv slash all in podcast on friday you've still got the podcast all in and nintendo podcast which you can like follow and subscribe to over on google play itunes spotify anchor and just all the places just you know what? All of them. Think of a place. Just think of a place. That place too. But uh, however you want to, you know, consume our content, however you want to hang out with us, we actually have even more going on than that over on Patreon. Yes, on patreon.com slash allinpodcast, where you can check out three tiers of a bunch of different rewards, uh, including All In Side Quest, a Patreon-exclusive show that Eric and I do every week dedicated to non-Tendo topics, early access to video essays like the Pokemon one that I put up this past week, um, and a lot, lot more. Um, so definitely head over to patreon.com slash all in podcast. See which tiers work for you. We really, really, really appreciate the support making the dream come true. But Eric, did you know that there's a way that people can support us entirely for free? Oh, sir, you had my interest, but now you have my attention. That's right. That's right. You can leave a review and drop some words on Podchaser, on Apple Podcasts, on, on Audible. You can leave us a five-star written review that will get shouted out here on the show to show our appreciation. And on Spotify, you can leave an anonymous five-star rating just like somebody did this past week that thank we you super, for that, super by the appreciate. Way. Yes. Thank you again for that uh, review on Spotify. Uh, again, this is totally free and easy and a really great way to uh, increase visibility for the show, get our show in front of people that need to hear it. We thank you guys so much for that. Thank you guys so much for everything that you do for us, whether you're a patron, whether uh, you hang out with us on Fridays, whether you uh, listen to the podcast, whether you drop some words, however you interact with us, however you support our content genuinely from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you so much for hanging out with us each and every Saturday and making us part of your weekly rotation. Namaste. Namaste indeed, Eric. And I know we just shouted out Shin-Chan. God, I I really, I can't wait to play that this weekend. <laughs> I am so excited to finally get to dig into that. I know. Ugh. I'm sorry you weren't able to stream it earlier. I know. I know. I, I will. Look, I'm going to play it this weekend. That's fine. Weirdly enough, just even strengthening Team Kids 
There are also a lot of weird, like, kid-related international, like, holidays. It was, like, National, like, Sons and Daughters Day. It was, like, International Day of Youth this week and stuff like that. So, you know, again, all of this stuff pointing to a Team Kids victory in the All-In Splatfest. But you know what, Eric? We, we have to just dedicate an entire segment. I mean, we're going to do the same thing for Team Squids, but Team Kids, man, there are a lot of great kid protagonists in Nintendo history, and we're going to count down our favorites this week in the top five. All right, Eric, the top five kid protagonists in Nintendo history, what are the rules? Well, I guess there are some cool kids in <laughs> Nintendo games. Team Squid is still going to win, though. But for this top five, we are talking about characters, protagonists, playable characters throughout Nintendo history who were presented to us as kids, as children. Now, with a couple caveats, we are specifically talking about children, not babies or infants. That is a very different part of someone's life. We are also not talking about characters who are specifically presented to us as adolescents, because that is also a very different point in your life. We are very specifically talking about kids, children. Now, in addition to that, we did have to disqualify a few things like robots yeah, uh, like sorry, no robots. Yeah, no robots. Yeah, no robots or like artificial life forms or or anything like that. Regardless of how they may have been modeled, regardless of whether or not they actually act like kids, it still feels like a cheat. So no Mega Man, and you know, no spoilers for any recent games. Mm -hmm. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no artificial life forms, no robots, no nothing like that. Unfortunately, here in the top five kid protagonists. Speaking of, these are playable characters. We're yes. not talking about NPCs. We are talking about playable characters. So every, not necessarily all the kids we're going to be talking about are that virtuous. Right. However, <laughs> they are all playable. They are all protagonists in their own story. And going into my top five I've got a shout out. There are some famous, you know, kids, boys, girls from the annals of video game history. And I've absolutely got a shout out Wonder Boy slash Monster Boy mm, at my number five. That's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. The Wonder Boy Collection just released on the Nintendo Switch. Wonder Boy the Dragon's Trap, Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom, a ton of Switch representation for this uh, you know, old Sega franchise really finding new life here in the modern era, but like they're just really good Metroidvania style games, just really good Metroidvania style experiences. Uh, uh, again, if you haven't played any, there's a ton that you can, uh, there's a ton you have access to on the Nintendo Switch. Wonder Boy the Dragon's Trap is a fantastic repaint of the Master System Classic. Uh, Monster Boy in the Cursed Kingdom is, I, I like it. They're just all really cool, really great. Find a way to check it out. Monster Boy 4, I think, just got a new skin of paint as well in a remake. That might even be part of the Monster Boy. Like, there's just so much Monster Boy yeah. on the Nintendo Switch. You don't really have a reason to not check it out. Just one of the most famous kid characters 
from the golden age of video games. Yeah, that's that's a really good one, man. I yeah, I dig it. I dig it. Well, starting off my list at number five, I mean, this is kind of my my big first party Nintendo. There's going to be other first party Nintendo reps on my list, but this is probably the most prolific one. My number five is Bowser Jr. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got to do it. You got to have Bowser Jr. So the reason Bowser Jr. is not higher on my list, of course, Bowser Jr. has been playable in various, you know, Mario spinoffs, Mario Party, Mario Kart, things like that. Oh, yeah. He didn't have a playable role in a kind of mainline Mario game until Bowser's Fury. Um, but that was when I really enjoyed Bowser Jr. as like a playable uh, kid protagonist. I love this sort of core concept of Bowser Jr.'s role in that game being like calling out to Mario for help because he's worried about his dad. You know, like I love that. And he he's just he's he's worried about whatever the heck is going on with his dad. And that really is kind of the entire thrust of Bowser's Fury. And <laughs> I, I just think that's great. And it's a really great like kid mode in that game too. I mean, that's a great, like if you have a little brother or a little sister or somebody to play yeah. that game with you, playing as Bowser yeah. Jr. literally feels like you're playing kind of the kid mode of that game. So, uh, I mean, that was really what sold Bowser Jr. as the number five entry on my list. I respect that. I respect that. There were a couple of Nintendo, like Mario characters that I thought about, mm -hmm. but I, yeah, Bowser Jr. is a good one. That's a good one. I like that. But going into my number four, talking about 3D platformers, my number four is Hat Kid from A Hat in Time. Yes. Yes. Dive into the giant pile of toys. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Hat Kid. From A Hat in Time, A Hat in Time was an indie showcase we did a, a while back. A while back. As a matter of fact, it was the indie showcase we did for our 35th anniversary celebration for Super Mario Brothers. Yes. Definitely go back and check that out. Amazing episode. We had Kenny James, the voice of Bowser. Fantastic time. You should definitely check it out. But the reason it was our indie showcase for that auspicious episode was just the fact that it's a really darn good Mario inspired 3d platformer. Mm -hmm. You have this, you know, this young kid called hat kid. Who's I guess also from outer space running around in some spaceship and like it's bonkers. It genuinely looks like a kid wrote the story to the game because <laughs> some insane stuff happens. You wind up, going against uh, this friend mustache uh, kid. And it's, it's insane. You got to find instead of power stars, you've got these MacGuffins called uh, timepieces, which are big energy hourglasses. But if you've ever played a collectathon 3d platformer, you know what you're getting into. But as far as the indie circuit goes, I mean, it really is the top tier of indie 3d platformers. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. Definitely is. Yeah, that's that's a great game. And I mean, Hat Kid's spaceship is just <laughs> it's, it's, so it's a giant toy room, essentially. You yeah. get around with little, you know, fun slides and yeah, it's great. <laughs> great game. Yeah, great if, character. You've, if you've never played a hat in time, definitely check it out. Uh, also, one of my favorite like spoopy sections in a, yes. a non-spoopy game genuinely horrifying that's honestly worth playing the game just for that but i digress i digress definitely check out hat kid from a hat in time 
Yes. Well, going into my number four, this uh, probably will surprise nobody. Um, this character actually probably would have been disqualified from my list until WarioWare Get It Together came out last year. My number four is Nine Volt. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. I like that. My boy, my boy, Nine Volt. Um, not only are Nine Volt's games just you know categorically some of the best in WarioWare because they're all you know little bite-sized Nintendo-themed games. But um, Ninevolt, I, I chose Ninevolt specifically because Ninevolt's representation in Game & Wario in particular, it speaks so much to my childhood experience as a kid. <laughs> like, in that gamer minigame where basically on the gamepad you're just playing some classic Nintendo games like Nine Volts games, but then you have to keep an eye on the TV because every so often your mom will come in and you have to hide under the covers and pause your game. <laughs> I did that so much when I was a kid. Like, I, I probably at least 50% of my Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance playing was like that. Just under the covers, in secret, when I should have been asleep. Sorry, Mom, if you're listening to this. Um, yeah, it, <laughs> it was such a famous part of the game. They turned it into a Smash Brothers stage. Exactly. Yeah, and it just it just speaks so true to, to my childhood experience. That, that was kind of just, you know, it, this is a recurring theme with the, the entries on my list. Just things that speak to the experience of being a kid. And, and I really can't think of a better example of that than 9-Volt. And now that, again, Wario, uh, WarioWare Get It Together is out and you can just straight up play as 9-Volt, he qualifies for the list as a kid protagonist. He does, although let's let can we just agree on something? Can we agree that Ninevolt is one of the most annoying characters to control in that game? He definitely is. Yeah, I can't lie. His <laughs> dude, Sorry. the the Wario Cup where you where you have to play as Ninevolt that yes. was torture. Yeah, that was torture. <laughs> I have no clue how I got gold in that one. No clue. I how did I too. Got gold. Through blood, sweat, and tears, I did too. But you know, talk about frantic. But. Going into my number three, uh, in my opinion, the greatest kid character in the history of fighting games, B.B. Mm. Hood, Baby yes. Bonnie Hood, also known as Boletta. Yes. Now, I, I know B.B. <laughs> Hood's a Darkstalkers character, but I know her from MVC too. Yes. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she has made uh, quite a few crossover appearances, obviously very famously in MVC2. Uh, she appeared for, for the first time in Vampire Savior and Darkstalkers 3, also appeared in Capcom versus SNK Match of the Millennium on the Neo Geo Pocket Color. But ultimately, yes, I think most people are going to recognize Boletta slash BB Hood from MVC2, where she is basically a bounty hunter. <laughs> who disguises herself as Little Red Riding Hood, and like replete with a little Yorkshire Terrier yes. that follows her around, which is amazing. But instead of little delicious pastries in her little picnic basket, she carries actual Uzis, landmines. <laughs> it's, it's she's fantastic. She's great. She runs around actually like whistling to herself, like la 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 la. <laughs> and then she'll take out an Uzi and her eyes just go from sweet little girl to murderous psychopath. She's amazing. It's a great character. 
Like, there's a reason she became so... There's a lot of really famous Darkstalkers characters. Anacharis, similarly, is in Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Right. Of course, of course, everybody knows Morrigan and Felicia. But, I mean, B.B. Hood, with her introduction in Vampire Savior and Darkstalkers 3, just immediately shot to a lot of people's, like, the top of their favorite fighting game character list just because of that insane dichotomy of the... You know, of course, the whole thing about Darkstalkers is they take these iconic, these very famous monster archetypes and fable archetypes like the Frankenstein's monster, the werewolf, the vampire, whatever, and they kind of do their own little take with them. So their take with this fairy tale protagonist like Baby Bonnie Hood is, well, what if she was actually secretly, again, like just a murderous psychopath who shot people in the face? (laughs) It's so, she's so much, and the thing is, like, she's just so much fun to play. Yeah. So much fun to play. And just, you know, just had to shout out, especially after this weekend where Bridget returned to Guilty Gear. We don't have Guilty Gear Strive on the Nintendo Switch, but in this weekend where Bridget returned to Guilty Gear just had to shout out another amazing young fighting game character. I love it. I love it. She's she's great. Don't buy your Girl Scout cookies from BB Hood. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> well, going into my number three, I am shouting out the new kid from the recent South Park games, the playable protagonist of South Park, the Stick of Truth, and South Park, (laughs) the Fractured Butthole. Um, This character... What was that again? uh, I mean, I'm not going to say it too fast. (laughs) I'm not going to say it too fast. You got to take that title slow so everybody knows that you're not uh, saying something else. Inflection (laughs) is incredibly important. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, But the new kid is the customizable kind of like blank slate player protagonist. But again, this is a character and this is, you know, a a series of games that speaks to the childhood experience. I mean, for those who don't know about these games, these are kind of Paper Mario style RPGs that all take place within like this make-believe scenario these kids have invented. It's just a bunch of kids playing pretend, essentially. But it's the kids of South Park. So, of course, it is foul-mouthed and it's raw and, you know, these kids talk the way that, you know, kids talk. And there are some very kind of like true-to-life kid experiences that happen. Uh, There's a very famous moment in The Stick of Truth involving the new kid's parents that is... uh, NSFW and inappropriate to talk about on this show, but that's a really very... something happened in a South Park game that's NSFW. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, that that I think is very uh, true to life for uh, for any of us who have um, you know, let's let's just say any of us who have uh, seen their parents in situations that we shouldn't have seen them in. Um, mm-hmm. We we can all relate to that, I think. Uh, but also, it just speaks to the experience of like the collectibles in that game are like. Pokemon, like Chin Pokemon, you know, the South Park fa- yep. facsimile of Pokemon. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, you're trading cards, you're picking up collectibles, you're playing video games, you know, it just speaks to that kid experience. And in its own, you know, foul mouthed, you know, fart filled South Park way, uh, it's a very nostalgic experience, both of those games. I really, really enjoyed them. Again, mature rated. You know, ironically enough, wouldn't necessarily recommend you let your kids play it, but 
if you're looking for a little bit of that, uh, you know, and very, very funny games and, and like well-made RPGs, uh, check out South Park, The Stick of Truth and South Park, The Fractured, but whole. It's fractured, but it's still whole. Yes. Well, speaking of turn-based RPGs, you know, I thought about a lot of turn-based RPGs, stuff like, you know, Golden Sun and where even admittedly, like chibi characters aren't necessarily kids, which is one of the reasons that the Golden Sun characters didn't wind up like you could are, but no, they're, they're fully adolescent kids. So I couldn't go with them. Characters from stuff like Secret of Mana and, and stuff like that, classic right. games. But honestly, when it comes to RPGs, there's such a ridiculously famous example of child protagonists that I had to choose it to the point of honestly anticlimax. And I apologize, people, but honestly, I had to. My number two is functionally most protagonists from the Pokemon series. Yeah, that's fair. Most of them are teenagers to kids. I think Red is supposed to be 10 years old, yeah. right? Yeah. Canonically, Red is 10 or 11 years old. Yeah. So. I don't know what possesses the people of a world where monsters fly around that shoot fire that can melt mountains, where you have monsters running around that can literally punch boulders in half, where you have monsters running around that will just as easily eat something walking past them as nuzzle up against them. But for some reason, in the world of Pokemon, they allow 10-year-olds to just travel around completely unsupervised, capturing these funny little pocket monsters and battling them with no adult supervision whatsoever. And it became one of the greatest, it became the most profitable IP of all time. And and I mean, it's brilliant because they released that game with these child protagonists as we were children playing them. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like you feel like you're in the game, literally. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, you want to talk about a character that you can project yourself onto mm-hmm. when we were young, when we were kids in the mid to late 90s. Oh, my God, that would that just sounded like the greatest thing in the world. You could go on this amazing adventure by yourself. You could leave home. Right. You could go on this amazing adventure. You could fight these fantastical monsters and then make them your friends. That's that's dream scenario at that point. That is 1000% wish fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't get better than that. That We all wanted that when we were kids, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I want that as an adult. What yeah, I want think? that now. <laughs> I'm talking exactly. About. If yeah. I can give up everything in this life and live in the Pokemon world instead. <laughs> tell me about I it. dearly love you, Seth. I love you more than most things. on. But if I had a choice between you and Lucario. Yeah. That's fair. An, an actual Lucario? You can't be blamed for that. You can't I'm be sorry, blamed for man. that decision. I really can't. <laughs> well, going into my number two, uh, a game that is very near and dear to my heart. Speaking of Shin-Chan, um, a game by that game's creator, Kazuyabe, the great legendary game designer Kazuyabe, uh, made a game on the Nintendo 3DS that is very, very special to me called Attack of the Friday Monsters, A Tokyo Tale. Yeah. Um, the protagonist of that game is a 10-year-old boy named Sota, and it is that game, for those who don't know, takes place in 1971 in this, you know, kind of cozy little Japanese country town, um, and the entire premise of it essentially is every Friday in this town, um, there are, like, kaiju 
and there's the, this town puts on this tokusatsu show that is, you know, these kaiju fighting and it kind of becomes like, is this like a supernatural thing? Is this like a big hoax? You know, there's a bit of a mystery to unfold, but this is another one. And Kazayabe's games all speak to this experience. Just this, you know, whimsical exploration, you know, just kind of this, these quiet, cozy little towns, just being a kid, especially in these, you know, Japanese suburbs, like, yeah. In, in these kind of like little villages, like his parents own like a dry cleaning shop and you go on little errands. They're just slice of life games. And, you know, you're collecting and playing these monster trading cards that are based on the kaiju that battle every Friday. And um, it's just it's just really great and cozy. And again, it feels so all of Kazayabe's games feel so nostalgic. Like I've never been a young boy in the 70s in japan but like really i mean believe it or not but there there's just something intensely nostalgic about that it feels so true um it's a great great game i may is it your favorite 3ds game it's up there i mean my favorite 3ds game is is ironically kid icarus uprising (laughs) um but you know pit is not uh pit is not wouldn't really count for this list i don't think no but no. uh, we we did consider Kid Icarus, but no, yeah, but it, but it is up there. It's it's like top five 3ds game for me for sure, and um, I, I might be talking about it much more in detail soon on Keep Nintendo Weirds. So keep your eyes peeled for that. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, but I like that. Before we reveal our number ones, do we have honorable mentions? You know, we do. Turns out, especially in the 90s, there were a lot of kid protagonists. Talking about Kid Icarus, I'm going to shout out Kid Chameleon from the wow. Sega Genesis. Wow, that's a good one. Yeah. You want to talk about meta? That was a meta game. You play as this ridiculous, like, unnatural, like, unbelievably, like, literally unbelievably <laughs> cool, slicked back hair greaser kid named Kid Chameleon who has to go save all of his friends from the evil arcade by playing the in-universe arcade games, which <laughs> winds up being the actual game. Stuff like this and Last Action Hero, they they loved getting meta in the 90s. I mean, they love getting meta now. Yeah. But there was some crazy meta stuff in the 90s. And Kid Chameleon is still very fondly remembered by a lot of people, myself included. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and shout out, honestly, Donkey Kong Jr. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Bowser Jr. on there, and that's a great choice. There's a couple other characters. I, you know, I thought about Diddy Kong. I thought about even Kitty Kong. Right. But you want to talk about a character that's straight up presented to us as a kid? That's definitely Donkey Kong Jr. Donkey Kong Jr. had his own arcade game, obviously a follow-up to the iconic Donkey Kong. And a lot of people don't remember this, but it's actually Donkey Kong Jr. who appears in Super Mario Kart. Yes, that is true. If you go back and play that game, it's it's really funny and it's almost like a culture shock to to see that kind of like classic Donkey Kong Jr. design. I, I love it. I do too. So I, I had to shout out Donkey Kong Jr. I also wanted to shout out, you know, speaking of uh, characters who may not be quite virtuous, uh, talking about uh, other indie games that we love, Little Nightmares, man, six. Mm, mm-hmm, yeah, six is... Uh, yeah, not virtuous whatsoever, yeah. but, but great characters. I love Mono as well from Little yeah, Nightmares Yeah, Mono's too. great. 
I need, I need to see what happens in Little Nightmares 3. Me I too. need that game so bad. We love the first two. We've done indie showcases on them for spoopy month over the past couple of years. Definitely check those out. If you haven't played Little Nightmares, definitely. But six is such a good, not even just like a good horror game character, not even just like a good kid character, but just a really good video game character. Mm hmm. Honestly, if a boy in his blob hadn't crashed on me as much as it did, like fifteen I may, times, <laughs> yeah, it, it, I'll I'll be fair. It crashed on me twelve, crashed okay. on me twelve times. If they can fix that patch, I will be much more inclined to consider the boy from a boy in his blob, uh, maybe for my list proper in the future. Because I do, I do really, really like that game. Even after everything, I still got the limited run physical edition. I really do like that game. And especially once you get to the end and you see kind of like the reference for the boy and, and all this stuff, it's, it's so cool. I really do like a boy in his blob, but yeah, the crashing issue did, did basically instantly disqualify it from the top five for me. But talking about those style of games, as much as I love little Nemo, as a video game character, there's just the one Capcom video game that is still really cool, but just based on video game merits, I as much as I love the character outside of video games, just based on the merits of Little Nemo's Nintendo career thus far, I couldn't put him in my top five. Although with multiple projects coming down the pipeline, including one by friend of the show, Dave Morrow, little Nemo and the guardians of slumberland. Very, very much looking forward to that, Dave. Uh, incredibly excited for the future of the IP on the Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. Me too, man. Can't wait for that game. Uh, I certainly had a few I wanted to shout out as well. Um, definitely wanted to shout out Alba from Alba wildlife yeah. adventure. Um, yeah, that's a very I mean, that game's, you know, really great, like summer vacation kid vibes, you know. Yeah, we did the indie showcase this summer. We did. Yeah, great game. Definitely wanted to shout that out. A game that really feels like uh, empowering, I think, for kids and educational also for kids. That's one that I would recommend having uh, your kid play. That's that's a, a good one for that. Uh, the Brothers from Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, another indie showcase that we've done uh, here on the show. Mm -hmm. Really good game. Uh, and, and again, like that's one that, um, has a really unique control method and has a really kind of impactful story about, uh, these two, these two kids, these two brothers, um, wanted to shout out Clementine from the walking dead who was made playable in the walking dead season two. That really is kind of her story in the walking dead season two. And she, I believe is nine or 10 in the first game. And I think she, I think it's like a year later in season two. So that sounds right. Yeah. So, and, and just like, she is such an amazing character and throughout yeah. the, you know, life of that series, we see so much of it. She would have been like my number six. Like I was real close to putting her on my list. Um, all of the backstory, all the stuff that happens with Clem and Lee kind of being her like surrogate father in this, you know, zombie apocalypse. Um, just, just phenomenal, phenomenal games. Highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I know that I, I believe the entire walking dead telltale series is on switch. Um, I know for sure season one and two are so definitely recommend those. 
Um, wanted to shout out the protagonists of Limbo and Inside, um, both from Playdead Studio. Uh, Limbo, in particular, is about like this kid, you know, trying to save his, uh, I believe, his sister. Um, Inside, another kid protagonist. Uh, very weird, messed up games, kind of like little nightmares. Yeah. But, yep. <laughs> but you know. And here at the end, I'll just show. She kind of skates the. The, the line between kid and adolescent, but I'll just go ahead and shout out Ashley Robbins from trace memory on the DS. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that really, really unique, cool little first person point and click adventure on the Nintendo DS. Very, very creative, very, very creative game. And Ashley Robbins is the main protagonist. Well, the only protagonist of that game. Definitely check that out. If you somehow have the ability, but Going into my number one, I i mean, honestly, no lead up, no being clever. My number one is Young Link from Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, and honestly, yes, even Wind Waker. Yeah, yeah, Toon Link and Wind Waker, he's a kid, definitely. Yeah. You want to talk about the main protagonist of some of the greatest games ever made, including a game that I believe still sits as the best rated video game ever made. I kind of had to put it as my number one. And I mean, uh, I mean, you've played Majora's Mask, right, Seth? So you're familiar with this. I, I know it a little bit. I okay, can, cool, I can, cool, yeah, cool. So, I, I can fumble my way through it. Yeah. Okay, great. I just wanted to make sure you weren't left out of the conversation here. <laughs> but uh if this is your first episode, Majora's Mask is Seth's favorite game ever. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, yeah. What is there to say at this point about those games that hasn't already been said in a thousand different ways in a thousand different songs? It is the pinnacle, especially of the late 90s, early 2000s, the absolute pinnacle of 3D adventure games and still of adventure games in general. Link, and especially that iteration of Link, is still among the most fondly remembered video game characters ever. A lot of people kind of have their own favorites. A lot of people love the much more mature take that Twilight Princess brought at the very end of the GameCube era, the beginning of the Wii era. Uh, you know, they like the, the kind of silent wanderer of breath of the wild, but yeah, still the young link iteration from like, that's specifically why they added young link as a separate playable character in super smash brothers melee. Right. Was because of how famous that character was with his Kokiri shield and his fire arrows and, and everything. Obviously in Ocarina of time, the whole onus behind the game was that you could switch between the two time frames and of course you do wind up playing as more mature link but obviously it's all rooted it's anchored in the past with kid link with young link with boy link and then of course with majora's mask it's like they completely obviously time is still a very major theme of that game but they completely removed the whole old link portion of the game you transform into different characters but still functionally you play through that entire game as young link yeah. as a young kid and then of course when you get to wind waker you could make the argument that because of the aesthetic you can maybe make the argument that that link wasn't supposed to be a kid but yes of course it was supposed to be a kid absolutely that link was supposed to be a kid You've got a trilogy of games, two separate versions of the Hero of Time, but both amazing kid protagonists. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I respect, I mean, yeah, especially in Wind Waker. I mean, you start that game like living with your grandma on Outset Island mm-hmm. and, you know, herding pigs and things like that. So, of yeah, course. you know, I mean, it's it's definitely, you know, he's definitely a kid character. And, and I certainly thought about, about that as well. Um, you know, I love those games. As you mentioned, Majora's Mask, probably my favorite game of all time. Like I, you know, I, I adore Zelda, a very, very special series to me. Um, my number one, though is a, a game and really a series that just seems to keep coming up. And like, I thought about it long and hard when it came to this list. And I thought about like, like, man, I, I just, I feel like I'm talking about this series a little too much, but I really just can't avoid it. I can't escape uh, the mother series. And my number one is just, the playable protagonists of the mother series of earthbound and of mother three specifically. Um, because you know, this core cast is already great. Um, for those who don't know, earthbound is, is Ness, Jeff, Pooh, and Paula. And then, you know, the, the, in mother three, the party members kind of swap out uh, a little bit more, but the core is Lucas, Duster, Kumatora, and, you know, bony slash Klaus, I guess. Um, but you, you have like these, these core kids, but the thing that's always struck me about the mother series and like the thing, like I I said earlier that when putting my list together, I was thinking about things that were emblematic of like the childhood experience. And that is something that has always struck me about the mother series in general, the way that it passes through that child lens. When you're playing those games, you're kind of seeing it through the eyes of these children. I mean, the adult characters in these games are almost universally horrible to you. And it's kind of not clear if they're actually being horrible to you or if you're sort of taking it that way because you're a kid. And obviously your relationship to your mother is very important in a series called Mother. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's also like just this burden that these kids all have on them, just like the weight of everything these kids have to do. And the game never, ever lets you forget that these are children, you know, going through these horrific experiences, particularly in earthbound, um, like just things that no human being should ever have to do. They're burdened with this and they're children. You know, and and again, the game never lets you forget that these are children having to do this, and um, I just that that makes it all the more powerful. I mean, this is a series in which the protagonist being children informs basically everything that goes on in it. Um, so again, I know I've been talking about Earthbound and the Mother series a lot, particularly in my top fives lately, but there was no way around it. I mean, when it comes to my favorite, when it comes to like the best, like you know, kid protagonists in games, I had to go with these characters that, again, their entire games are just formed around them being kids. Great series. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. We've been thinking a lot about kids. Like you said, it seems like every day this week was a different kid-themed international day. (laughs) Obviously, we've been thinking a lot about the, you know, squid kids, emphasis on squid, hashtag team squid. But... (laughs) 
But yeah, let us know what your favorite young children protagonists in Nintendo history are. Reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, join the conversation over on Discord. We would love to know what you think the best representations of the child experience in Nintendo history are. But yeah, we're done with kids. Done with team kid, you know, whatever. We know you're all here for the squids. I guess. I know that's what you're all here for. Completely understand you're better people for it. So let's move on to the Team Squid segment. Obviously, with Splatoon 3 blowing up everybody's internet and newsfeed over the past week, we've been inundated with a lot of calamari in our lives. And there was a, a couple, actually, indie games that we absolutely wanted to shout out today for a couple reasons, as a matter of fact. But let's go ahead and get things started. Our indie showcase this week is Squidlet and Super Squidlet. So Squidlet is an adorable little Game Boy inspired 2D action platformer where you play as an adorably rotund little cephalopod going around jumping from platform to platform and inking your enemies. And I know a couple of you out there might be thinking, Seth and Eric, haven't you already done an indie showcase on Save Me Mr. Taco Definitive Edition? Why, yes, dear listener, and thank you for knowing that. However, this is actually a completely different game. Yeah, this is these are very different games. And this stuck out to us for, for many reasons, but we were looking for this kind of, you know, squid thing not only to represent team squid but to tie into the splatoon stuff and everything and and these were uh these stuck out because the the kind of big i think interesting draw of these games is that these are game boy and game boy color kind of referential games specifically developed with those hardware limitations in mind so yes what's what's awesome (laughs) is if you go to their eShop listing they actually detail all of the limitations they put in place. So we're talking about both games, Squidlet and its sequel, Super Squidlet. And like they detail all the limitations, like all the sounds in these games were actually recorded on actual hardware, all of the resolution, all of the sprites available, the like 10, eight pixel wide sprites in a line, you know, all of these limitations. I mean, these games could functionally run in theory, on actual hardware (laughs) yeah that's the whole point is these nintendo switch games could actually be put onto game boy and game boy color cartridges respectively that is insane to me i will there's some great games that came out during the game boy era but when you look at these games to think that these games could actually function natively on game boy and game boy color hardware blows my mind and we'll certainly get into why yeah i mean it's It's really cool because it's one thing. I mean, so many games are indie or like retro inspired or whatever in the indie space. Oh, yeah. But to have a game that is like actually working, you know, intentionally within retro limitations. So cool. Uh, These are this is, again, a series of of indie games by actually Squidlet Inc. Not incorporated. I-N-K. I love that. That's so great. (laughs) So great. And this is a team of actually a trans couple, a married trans couple. Um, that put this together and they basically did both of these games just by themselves, like as, you know, as a wife duo. 
Um, and I think that's really cool. Like one of them had this degree in like, um, in like aquarium biology. The other one was going to college for like, you know, coding and design for video games and just with their powers combined. And, and they just made this really charming series of Game Boy, Game Boy Color platformers. And man, I just, I came away from these. I, I had a smile on my face the entire time playing these games. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk about the first one. Let's talk about Squidlet real quick. The specifically Game Boy inspired first game in the franchise. And one of the interesting things that you'll notice when you boot up the game is the fact that uh, because the game runs on a Game Boy aspect ratio, the border of the screen, the border of the screen is basically like a is basically like a Game Boy proxy, which is amazing and hilarious. It has, uh, it has like a speaker that's constantly vibrating to show you that the game is actually playing its music. And one of the coolest functions of it is, and I know you love this, Seth, the actual <laughs> functioning contrast slider on the right. It has a little functioning contrast wheel that you can use the right <laughs> stick to actually, you know, how you could on the original Game Boy, full with the contrast and just make, if you wanted to, the screen completely one color one way or the other. And it, and it works that way. And you could do that. It's great. That That's such a great detail. And it's just... It speaks to the charm and personality in both of these games. I mean, the speaker is not just a, you know, boring... It's, it says dudes. <laughs> you know? It does say dudes. The little power the little power light just says juice on it. You know, it's great. And you could hide all of that, but you really... Why would you want to? I mean, it, it's... it's I, I talked recently about how the Game Gear layout was like distracting to me this is a way to make that part of the personality of the game and i loved it but the game itself is you go on this adorable little 2d platforming adventure with this character named plip and you have the ability to jump and your attack is actually like functionally your double jump right when you hit the button in air, you actually shoot a little thing of ink underneath you. And you can use this both, again, as a double jump. Actually, as a matter of fact, you can triple, quadruple. If you get the rhythm down, you can actually use it like as a functional glide. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, every little shot of ink you shoot below you is, is your attack. That's how you do basically everything that you do throughout the course of the game. In this first game, is admittedly relatively short. It's probably only going to take you about half an hour, 40 minutes. But you go through these really interesting four worlds. And I've got to say, even for even for this really small little adventure in this first game, there's still a ton of personality and a ton of creativity on display. They did so much with so little. Like, th that. the first game really is kind of a proof of concept. Like, they... I, I kept thinking about the Tori games from our friend Marcus at Siactro. I kept thinking about that when I was playing just these little snack cake games, as you like to call them, like just these little, you come in, you play them for, you know, 30, 45 minutes, an hour, maybe if you, if you really kind of get stuck. Um, and they're just really well done little experiences and they get so much personality going after the, the villain of, of in this one, Squit Squat, <laughs> Squit Squat, uh, who is, who I guess is like a grasshopper or a mosquito yeah, maybe some or sort something, of, some sort of tall bug. No, actually I, I apologize. I, but we just, I, I apologize. 
God Emperor yes. Squit Squat. Sorry, sorry about that. Yeah, God Emperor Squit Squat. And uh, you can tell the game <laughs> takes itself very seriously. Um, and the dialogue yeah. is amazing. It's so good. It's it's intentionally memeable, but it's done in a good memeable way. It is so, again, just full of charm and personality. A lot of little squidlet NPCs to talk to. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and the game really just feels good. Like the platforming is tight. It feels, it it controls well. Like when you shoot your ink down, which is your, you know, your primary method of attack and everything. Like it just, it just kind of works. It's an incredibly simple game, but again, the things they get out of it, I'm not kidding you. One of the most unique and interesting boss fights I have ever seen on the Nintendo switch is in this little 99 cent, you know, less than an hour long Game Boy game. Like, it's really cool. Some of the stuff they managed to do and some of the ideas that are on display in this game. Like, really impressive. It's 99 cents. Yeah. It is. It's a 99 cent game. You get a you get some decent variety in this yes. game, too. You're platforming for most of the time, but they do shake things up a little bit. There's a couple towns you get to explore, some some very basic puzzle solving. There's a couple times where you actually, there's a slightly explorable environment and you have to defeat so many enemies. Uh, Again, there's some amazing dialogue. I definitely recommend talking to everybody that you possibly can. One of my favorite, you talk about the boss and I love the boss, incredibly creative, but one of my favorite things in the game is you'll talk to somebody who wants to explain garbage theory to you. (laughs) And one of your possible responses to that is is like, Hey, do you mind if I stop you for a second to tell you about garbage theory? One of the responses you can give to that is help a science. (laughs) Yeah. Plip actually gets in stitches. Yeah. It's so funny. Plip, Plip gets a couple of little, uh, dialogue choices and kind of, choices of i guess action which is funny because they can be quite different like you can play plip as this kind of sassy character or you could play plip kind of the way that i did which is just this kind of (laughs) love everybody goofball you know yeah and just like you know 99 percent of the time you're just hugging everybody you know just this cute little squishy squidlet and uh i just love that like that's that's such an easy way to to get you know player agency and like again this is a little tiny game boy game where your health bar is like muffins (laughs) you know uh it's so charming there's even a shmup section yeah there's a shmup section they both of these games and we'll we'll move on to super squidlet the the sequel in a second both of these games are like very well paced and yeah, they, they, again, they squeeze a lot into this little package. They do. And the last thing that I think I'm going to say about Squidlet is just when I started playing it, obvi- like the obvious parallels to save me, Mr. Taco were there. Sure. But knowing that the game isn't just retro inspired, isn't just Game Boy inspired, but running on hardware, seeing all the designs that they have going on here, seeing the gameplay variety that they have going on here and seeing all the charm and personality that they're able to put into with such a tight controlling game, even with something as simple as, you know, the few frames of animation that Plip has when she's jumping around. Uh, give the game so much heart, in my opinion. 
It's a game that I would absolutely have bought on the original Game Boy if it had been released back then. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. Like they they've just done as much as they could to make this as accurate to the official hardware as possible. It's not running. It, obviously, it's running on your Switch, but I mean, the idea that this could run you know, you're thinking about that the entire time, all of the music, all of the sound again, recorded on an actual, you know, Game Boy and, and Game Boy Color for Super Squidlet. Like that is just so cool. That just takes it a step beyond. And uh, again, the first one, 99 cents. And it's just a, a really, really great proof of concept. But when it comes to the sequel, Super Squidlet. Yes. Speaking of a step beyond. A step beyond. I mean, this is their kind of take on the Game Boy Color. Um, and again, it still adheres to the limitations of the Game Boy Color, but they have really made this its own adventure. I mean, this is like, it, it's $9.99, still really affordable for, for what it is. I mean, but this is more of like a four-ish hour adventure that has such a great sense of pace and all of that charm and personality and just like control tightness from the first game made into its own proper sequel adventure. Yeah. And you start off with, I think a day or two right after the events of the first game and you wind up having to go on this adventure with one of the main characters from the first title. Mm -hmm. But now, obviously, because it's a Game Boy Color game, it's in full color, and they they directly make reference to that. One of the first things that you have the ability to to talk to, one of the first squidlets you had the ability to talk to, talks about is like, "Hey, do you like those new color lenses I I got for you?" <laughs> but uh, the everything from the first game mechanically is still there. When I say everything, I mean, Plip's jump and the fact that you can ink underneath her is still there. But in addition to that, they gave Plip a roll, functionally a dash that you can do in the air. You can do it as an air dash, but just the addition of that makes Plip feel like such a more well-fleshed out, character from a mechanical perspective just the addition of that one ability makes makes her feel so much more unique and interesting yeah super squidlet in particular really feels like a nintendo school of game design thing where they got a lot of use i mean this is a classic nintendo thing take a limited tool set and just squeeze the maximum amount of juice out of it like they did so much with, I mean, Plip's moveset is essentially she can jump, she can shoot out the ink, which gives her a little bit of height and a double jump, and she can do that kind of roll tackle. But, you know, and then underwater, she can shoot out her ink kind of slightly differently, and that is something you kind of have to wrap your mind around too. But all of those kind of have their moment. All of those have their moment that sells them. They all have their moment where it's like, okay, like this is the interesting use case for this. It's not as simple as just, I'm going through the levels, going through the motions, just getting to the end. It's, I need to actually think my way through this and how can I take Plip's limited moveset and use it to defeat this boss or to, you know, get through this section. I mean, there are going to be sections where, like you'll see a button, for example, And it's like, I don't know how I'm going to get something to weigh this down, you know? And like you, cause, cause you're just a little squidlet, you know, but then you come to realize, (laughs) oh wait, you know, 
something that I can do with my moveset can make this happen. And stuff like that happens all the time. Like, it happens in the boss fights. Like, the way that in Super Squidlet in particular, they utilize Plip's, again, limited moveset to really get some cool moments in boss fights. Like, it's really, really impressive. It is. Because... You have your jump, you have your attack, but it functions like a double jump. And once you get good enough at it, it functions just like in the first game as kind of effectively a glide. Yeah. And with the roll tackle, it's also an attack. Some enemies you actually need to use it against before you're able to properly defeat them with ink. But in addition to that, it also serves as basically like a wall jump. Once you get good enough with that, you can actually use it to scale walls and to get higher up in the map to mm-hmm. get to, you know, secret areas, areas that you couldn't remotely get to on your own. So you've got the ability to run and jump and attack and everything. But once you really get a hold of these two moves, the entire game really opens up to you. Yeah. Yeah, again, it's just like it's it's kind of unbelievable. Like the there are several moments, particularly in the boss fights, like I said, where I was just sitting there thinking to myself, like, what do I like what do I do? I don't understand. Like, what am I missing here? You know, and then when I stopped and thought about it, and I was like, okay, you know, I can I can utilize this move in this way to interact with this thing. And it just completely changed the way I thought about that moveset. Just again, I mean, what an amazing way to tackle these limitations. Um, Just really, really smartly designed. I mean, this game has got uh, a lot going on under the hood. It's so well paced. Like we mentioned in the first Squidlet, it's pretty well paced. You've got like, you know, these kind of shmup sections and whatever. And there are a couple of shmup sections in Super Squidlet, but there's a whole second component to Super Squidlet that comes up often. And it's cool, too. So, yes. So, for those who played the first game, and after playing for the first while of the second game, you may feel like you've got a perfect handle on all the mechanics in Super Squidlet. And then, and then, <laughs> the character who I mentioned, who you wind up going on this adventure with from the first game, turns out you actually play as them for about half the time. And they don't really do the whole platforming thing that's kind of beneath them. (laughs) What they much prefer to do is play through RPG first person shooters. Yeah, like an actual like kind of Doom style first person shooter that is totally functional and works and like has stats and leveling up and light puzzle solving. It's wild. And they pull it off. And like at first, when I first <laughs> got into the that first kind of section, I was like, I don't know if I'm really feeling this. But as time went on, like by the time I got to the end of the game, I was really kind of into like learning its systems and kind of figuring it out and like the just kind of falling in love with the chunky like frame rate of it all, like the way that it looks <laughs> like one of those. I mean, again, this is as accurate as possible to the original hardware. So like imagine playing a first person shooter RPG on a Game Boy Color. Like that's what this is. And it it just works way better than it ever had any right to. Yeah. We say RPG because you have several weapons in the first person shooter segments, 
But as you defeat enemies, you'll gain experience and level up. Leveling up gives you skill points to upgrade each of the different weapons. And each of the different weapons can be upgraded five times throughout the course of the game. It's weirdly deep for a game that will only take you a few hours to complete and a game that is basically tucked into a 2D platformer. Yeah, I mean, Super Squidlet is just like, it's never what you expect it to be. Like, throughout its runtime, it is always surprising you. And I don't want to, like, overtly spoil any of the set pieces because, again, we're recommending this. We want you guys to go and play it. Um, But there are some, like, really cool little set piece moments in this game. And there are some really cool locales that you'll explore and some legitimately hype like story beats (laughs) this feels like i mean this is again i mean this isn't going to take you any longer than like four hours to get through this is a complete adventure that really kind of has something to say and and i just gotta say too like i love these characters like plip and squit squat like (laughs) and and it was funny because as as the credits begin to roll for for super squidlet um Mm -hmm. the we mentioned earlier the uh the, the wife couple that developed this game essentially by themselves, um, they reference themselves as Plip and Squid Squat. So you kind of get the sense that they're self-inserts and you get the sense that you're kind of playing this cute little, like almost love letter to each other. Like there's this whole, you know, I mentioned that muffins are like the health in this game. Yeah. And there's this whole back and forth between banana nut and blueberry muffins. Banana and nut like, and blueberry muffins. I'm yeah. like, I can totally <laughs> imagine them having this, you know, heated discussion about this just as a couple. And it's just really like just cute and charming. You just feel like you're playing the product of the love of two people. And that's really unique. <laughs> well, speaking of foodstuffs, one of the interesting things about Super Squidlet is the fact that they've added in quite a few collectibles. Yeah. There really aren't too many collectibles in the first Squidlet, but in Super Squidlet, you have these documents and these buttons hidden around the world that you can collect. And it turns out you can trade them for something very unique. Yeah. So there are these like pages of lore um, kind of littered around some of the stages. Some of the stages are actually pretty involved and some of them are, they are. quite well hidden. Like I missed on, on my initial playthrough, I missed like a lot of lore pages. And so oh, there's, dude, there's yeah. probably, you know, quite a few that I still haven't even found yet. But um, in addition to that, there are these off the beaten path, like little buttons that you can collect. Um, most of them with like different shapes and colors. And that's just a door. Like I'm talking like shirt buttons. Like little just buttons and you trade them in because kind of between the stages, you kind of go back to your hub ship and there's this character that you can exchange those buttons for recipes. Like the reward of this game is recipes that you can cook things with in real life. Like it's so good. Like I think the first one is a banana pudding recipe. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I, at first I was like, kind of like, what, like what's going on here? But it just straight up is a banana pudding recipe. And again, that just speaks back to what I was saying earlier. Like you get the sense, like this is probably like one of their recipes. In fact, there's a recipe that one of them, I believe either is allergic to tomatoes or something like that. So like there is a recipe for a tomato uh, like pizza sauce 
And I'm like, this is just so adorable. Like, you feel like you're collecting recipes from their recipe card, you know, catalog that they just have in their house. And it just feels really cute and personal in that way. That's like, that is the collectible in this game, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) It's so adorable. I absolutely love it. Just in this small little adventure, there's so much going on. Obviously, you've still got the tight, 2D platforming that you had from the first game, but you've got so much more to explore. You've got all these different collectibles you can get. There's a world map, like an actual world map. The game is so big that it needs a world map to explore. But in addition to that, there's so much variety, even outside the 2D platforming. We talked there, you know, they brought back the shmup sections. They have the first person shooter. I still can't believe that's a sentence that I can say. They've got the first person shooter sections. And even like there's some underwater sections of this game that also play completely differently from the rest of the game, completely differently from the platforming. So I mean, if you like Squidlet, if you like the first game, you will love Super Squidlet. There's, uh, in addition to the the color, in addition to bringing back all the characters from the first game, in addition to all the personality, just a a much more fully fleshed out, completely full featured, really cool little platforming adventure that I know we've mentioned this before, but I just feel like it bears repeating that could actually fit on a Game Boy Color cartridge. I, nothing would make me happier. And and by the way, like Squidlet Inc. has already said they're working on like putting out plushes of Plip. And I, mm-hmm. like, I, I need one. Like I have to have that. Yeah. Um, nothing would make me happier than if this caught the eye of like an LRG, you know, and they put out like a physical that was just actually on Game Boy and Game Boy Color cartridges. That would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, if there was some way to I make that work. I would want. I have a Game Boy Color. I bought a Game Same. Boy Color f- specifically for Pokemon Crystal. I have a Game Boy Color. I would absolutely buy Super Squidlet on the Game Boy Color and play it again on the Game Boy Color if they released if they did a retro re-release Game Boy Color cartridge for it. That would be oh, so cool. That'd be amazing. That would make me so happy. So yeah, I mean th- these are just full of personality. My recommendation, again, the first Squidlet is ninety nine cents. Um, you probably have enough gold coins laying around to buy it, frankly. Um, you know, pick up the first Squidlet, play it. You're going to play through it in probably less than an hour. And if you enjoy it, Super Squidlet is $9.99 and it is, you know, four times the length, a much more fully featured adventure and is genuinely, in terms of like budget, you know, inexpensive indie games, one of the, like one of the more personable, and just, you know, just sheer fun experiences on the Switch. Now, I will say, just as a caveat, we both experienced some technical issues with uh, with Super Squidlet in particular. I think you had a couple of crashes. I um, did have a crash on me twice, yes. Yeah, you had a couple of crashes. I had like a weird glitch, like a weird freeze when I was talking to an NPC, but... Uh, Squidlet Inc. is, again, this is just a two-person team, and they are still, like, patching the game. Like, even up to very recently, they they patched the game. So um, I expect support in that way to continue. It's not like, you know, you may never, you may go through the entire game and never encounter it, literally. But, um, but that did happen to both of us on separate occasions for separate things. But then I just looked at the pause menu for Super Squidlet, and everything was fine again. Because yes. the pause menu... The pause menu for Super Squidlet is like just plip, 
drawn in pink crayon so on the bottom right hand side of the screen with like the crayons and the markers and everything like lying on the screen. It's it's adorable. It's all it's absolutely so cute. adorable. This is like Pl- Plip could easily be the the squid cousin to to Kirby. Yes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I yeah. Again, just one of the most charming games I've I've played. This game is just so cute. I love it. It is. It, if if cute games aren't your thing, fair enough. But if you like mascot platformers and you like having a lot of variety, and it's not quite a Metroidvania, but if you like games like that, definitely check out Squidlet and Super Squidlet, both currently available on the Nintendo Switch. Squidlet for just $0.99, cents, Super Squidlet for $9.99. Highly recommend both. Uh, and if you if you play them, let us know. We'd love to talk to you about the games. Reach out to especially some of the more creative boss fights. Definitely let us know what you thought of those. Reach out to us on Facebook, at All In Podcast, on Twitter, at All In Podcast. Join the conversation over on Discord. We'd love to have you. We have so much stuff going on all the time on youtube.com slash all in podcast. Make sure to check out Seth's uh, new video from the world of Pokemon twitch.tv slash all in podcast. A big, huge thank you to everybody who showed up last night for our huge, big breakdown of all the news and especially the, uh, the Splatoon three direct mm-hmm. from this past week. Big thank you to everybody who showed up last night on twitch.tv slash all in podcast, because we do it every Friday night. We do the news live at twitch.tv slash all in podcast. So check it out. But if you can't, we still have all in a Nintendo podcast, the podcast itself, which you can like, follow and subscribe to over on Google play, iTunes, Spotify, anchor, and just so many places, just so many places. However you want to listen to us, we would love to have you. And if you like the show, if you dig what we're doing over here at All In, we think you should probably become a patron. Yeah. Patreon.com slash All In Podcast has got three different tiers for you to check out uh, and a ton of Patreon exclusive rewards. Speaking of the video essays that I do on our YouTube channel, our patrons at any tier, even just the dollar tier, get at least 24 hours of early access to every video essay that I do. Um, At our Golden Banana and Triforce tiers, there are various rewards like Twitch VIP status, uh, All In SideQuest, another weekly podcast that we do exclusively for our patrons. Um, Triforce tier hangouts that we do on a monthly basis. Uh, we should have another one of those coming up pretty soon. Um, you get, you know, credits in the video essays that I do. So there's, there is a lot, you know, shout outs on, uh, on every episode of the podcast. So, uh, a lot going on, a lot of rewards go over to patreoncom slash all in podcast. And we hope you agree. There's a lot of value there. If you choose to support us monetarily, it really means the world to us. You're literally making dreams come true. But Eric, did you know that there's a way that they can support us entirely for free? I've heard of such a thing. I have heard of such a thing. Seth, elaborate. They can drop some words over Ooh. on Apple Podcasts, over on Podchaser, Ooh. over on Audible. Oh. They can leave oh. us five-star written reviews that uh, is so appreciated because they they help get our show in front of the people who need to see it. If you leave us a written review, I will shout it out here on the show. And uh, on Spotify, you can leave us a five-star rating. And wherever you leave us those five-star ratings, again, 
Uh, it just helps so much with visibility and it's an entirely free and easy way that you can support this show if you like what we're doing. Awesome. And regardless of how you choose to support us, if you become a patron, if you just drop some words, or if you just happen to hang out with us each and every week to listen to a couple old Nintendo fans droll on about their favorite video game console, we appreciate it so, so much. Thank you guys so much from the bottom of our hearts for hanging out with us each and every Saturday and making us part of your weekly rotation. Namaste. Namaste, indeed. Eric, uh, I think Squidlet, Super Squidlet, makes a really strong case for Team Squid. Yeah, Team Squid. Hashtag Team Squid. I know all the listeners already agree with me, Seth. Well, yeah, and and I know that, you know, the top five made a great case for for Team Kid, but... It, it did make me stop and think, especially since we broke down the Splatoon 3 Direct. I mean, in Splatoon 3, we're kind of behind the times already. There are three-way Splatfest teams now. Oh, yeah. We kind of need to update this. We can have Team Kid, Team Squid, and Team Squid Kid at this point. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess that's a thing. I guess that's a thing. You know what? We're going to release a poll. Right after this episode goes go. live, we're going to release a poll. Are you Team Kid, Team Squid, or Team Squid Kid? Let us know in our Twitter poll. We'd love to hear from you. But here at the end of the show, uh, we just wanted to say something real quick. Our shows are, you know, we consider so, so many things when we put together a show. We don't just slapdash choose to talk about any old thing here on All In, a Nintendo podcast. It's all very carefully considered. And especially after this past week, uh, Seth did a fantastic video on a couple characters introduced in the previous trailer for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, talking about trans inclusivity and trans representation in video games. Also this past week, Bridget was released for Guilty Gear Strive and came out canonically and openly as a trans character in video games. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, yes, we tied it in to our whole Team Squid thing, but a big reason we wanted to shout out Squidlet and Squidlet Inc. was the fact that the developer is trans. So... If it's something you disagree with, okay. But just understand that here at All In, we are trans allies. Oh yeah, one one thousand percent. And and I I don't want to drill on about the Pokemon video any more than I already did earlier in the episode. But just to I mean just to kind of TLDR it. Um, I mean yeah, like any of that negativity or hostility towards. Uh, trans people or really any people. I mean, we, we just love everybody. You know, I think it's okay to, yeah. to love people and, uh, and we, we love trans people and, and we have, you know, many trans friends. We, we are trans allies and we wanted to kind of utilize this as a way of showing support in this week that has had that heavy on our minds and hearts. And um, so that was just kind of one more reason that we wanted to tie all of that together um, just for, for the love of our trans allies. So I hope you can accept that. If not, maybe we're not the podcast for you. If not, there's the door. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There you go. So that's something we wanted to say at the end. We try to keep it 
positive. We try to be as inclusive as we can. We try to love as many people as we can here at All In. And we will continue to do that week in and week out. (sighs) Speaking of week out, Seth, we actually kind of need to start working on next week's episode already. Yeah. So, so much going on, guys. Uh, Thank you guys so much for hanging out again. We will see you right back here again next week for a brand new episode of All In, a Nintendo podcast. Until then, I have been Save Me, Mr. Eric, Definitive Edition. And I have been Billy Hatcher and the Giant Seth. We love you all very, very much. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Transparency, human rights. Bye. Bye.